Lance Russell and Dave Brown right along ringside. By golly, we're about ready to go with more big action. Thank you very much, and welcome to Georgia Championship Wrestling. I'm Gordon Sully, your host, and we have quite an hour in store for us. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Championship Wrestling at ringside. This is Vince McMahon, along with wrestling's only living legend, Bruno Sammartino. Welcome to this week's edition of Mid-South Wrestling Television. I'm your host, Boyd Pierce, another outstanding card. Hey, guys, and welcome back to the Regional Wrestling Podcast, where we talk the territories. And as always, I am your host, Ray Russell, and this week, going to dive back into Georgia Championship Wrestling for 1981. We finished off the first quarter of the year, going to kick off the month of April 1981 here this week with special guest co-host Jamie Ward coming back to the show, going to talk a little more Georgia. But first, just a friendly reminder, you guys can listen to the Regional Wrestling Podcast as well as our sister shows like Monday Warfare, The Battles Within, where we break down the weekly episodic storyline known as the Monday Night War. Right now, in the month of August 1996, talking all about Hogwild and SummerSlam. All of that and so much more going on right now on Monday Warfare. You can also listen to the Wrestling Memory Grenade podcast, currently covering the 1987 and the WWF project. Now, in the month of October in 1987, we have just witnessed the formation of the Mega Powers as the Mania met the Madness. And you can listen to all of those shows and more as part of the WrestleCopia podcast network located over at WrestleCopia.com. That's WrestleCopia.com and anywhere your podcast streaming needs are met, from Apple to Spotify, Google, and beyond. And be sure to follow me on social media, guys. Follow me on Twitter at WrestlingGrenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. Also, follow and like me at Facebook.com slash WrestlingGrenade. Follow me on social media for all the latest goings-on here at the WrestleCopia Podcast Network, and I'm also constantly adding old-school video clips and pictures from throughout wrestling history. And while you're there, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can find me there at youtube.com slash wrestlinggrenade, uploading new footage all the time, over 500 videos now up there at YouTube and counting. And last but not least, certainly now would also be a great time to become a WrestleCopia patron. You can find me there at patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. That address again, patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. Multiple tiers to choose from, but I'm only asking you guys to give it a try at that $5 all-access tier. Includes all of my insanely detailed book-like show notes, talking pages upon pages of show notes for every episode of the Wrestling Memory Grenade, Monday Warfare, and the Regional Wrestling Podcast. You'll also get early access to many of the podcasts here on WrestleCopia. You can listen days, sometimes as much as a week earlier than the rest of the listeners. Plus, remastered versions of the earliest episodes of The Grenade Show, covering the 1989 NWA project, includes enhanced sound quality and new content and conversations originally edited out of the initial broadcast due to time restraints, edited right back into the show. But that's not all. You'll also get digital downloads for your viewing and reading pleasure, and of course, our Patreon-exclusive watch-along series, covering many past WWF and WCW pay-per-views, Coliseum videos, Saturday Night's Main events, Clash of the Champions, and so much more. And you get all of that for the low, low price of just $5. 
It's early access, insanely detailed show notes for three of the podcast shows, plus Patreon-exclusive watch-alongs, remastered episodes with new content added in, digital downloads, bonus video drops, and so much more. You get all of that for just $5. No subscription, cancel any time, show your support. Give it a try for a month, I think you'll like the content we offer, and every penny of it, guys, goes right back here into paying the bills to help keep the WrestleCopia Podcast Network up and running for the months and the years to come. So if you guys appreciate what I'm doing around here, if you want to help WrestleCopia continue to grow, I encourage you to show your support, and I promise you, I won't let you down with the content I offer over there at patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. And now, guys, we head back to 1981 for some more Georgia Championship Wrestling. All right, guys, and I can't get it done without him, so it's time to bring him back. You've heard him in the past as part of the Stick to Wrestling podcast with host John McAdam. You may have even heard him on past episodes of the 605 Super Podcast with host Brian Last, all part of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. And now welcoming him back here to WrestleCopia as part of the Regional Wrestling Podcast. Here he is, guys. It's Jamie Ward back on the show. Welcome back, Jamie. Oh, it's great to be back, Ray. It's been way too long. Too long. Always too long. Always too long. Now, let's get back to talking Georgia Championship Wrestling, April 1981. I love you and Roman. None of the BS. You guys just want to get right down to it. <laughs> let's get right into the nitty gritty, man. We we could talk and play after it's over, but let's get excited right now. I'm sure that's everybody out there listening appreciates that, Jamie. So last we left you guys, we finished out the month of March here in 1981 for Georgia Championship Wrestling. So we roll on with the next episode of TV taking place April 4th there in Atlanta, Georgia, WTBS Studios. And before we get going, guys, I just want to make everyone aware this particular episode of TV is very promo heavy. They're furthering the storylines, discussing the Omni footage, and I was able to grab quite a bit of the audio from those promos for this particular episode. So just stick with us. Me and Jamie will be in and out, breaking down each segment and sharing our thoughts and opinions along the way. And as we get going here for April the 4th, Gordon Soley going to open up the program announcing that both the top two contenders for the NWA World Heavyweight title are in action today. That being the number one contender, Nature Boy Ric Flair here in the studio, as well as the wildfire, Tommy Rich. So how lucky are we that we, as Georgia fans, we're getting the top two contenders on the same episode of TV? And that's because you know things are about to get serious in Georgia. I mean, they're bringing Flair in. So this is probably Flair's tryout session for what's going to occur in September. And, of course, Tommy Rich, we know what's about to occur there in about a month or so. So it's double tryout time. Shh, Kaifei, brother. <laughs> so not only are Tommy Rich and Ric Flair both here on the show, but we also learn at this point that Steve-O is the brand-new national Heavyweight champion. You heard me right, guys. We talked about it last episode. We touched on the Omni card. We're going to really break it down here this week. So later in this episode, we're actually going to see film footage 
from that matchup. Steve-O going to talk all about winning that title from the Mongolian Stomper. But we kick it off right now. We head to the ring with the new national heavyweight champion, Steve-O, scoring a win over Gerald Finley. Good way to kick off the show with your new champion in the ring. Oh, yeah, absolutely, because this is what uh, we're in the beginning of April. So this is six solid months of Steve-O action culminating in a big title win for him. Uh, they've been cultivating him since September for this spot, and it finally has happened. Who knew? I certainly didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming either, but when 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 you look back and how he came in in September and he was wrestling the draws with guys, and then uh, he was getting a lot of microphone time, they ended up putting that Georgia Junior Heavyweight Championship on him. Then he ended up getting the National Television Championship for a while. The natural progression moving up to the National Heavyweight Championship. Never saw him beating Stomper for it. No, no, definitely not. But, you know, at the same time, they also were letting him co-host some of those Sunday shows with Gordon and with Freddie Miller. So it's almost like they were giving him more mic time, trying to get him prepped for something like this. So I guess in hindsight, you go, yeah, I kind of saw it coming. But, at, you know, just watching it as it ha unfolded, I would have never seen this coming. But Steve-O, nevertheless, your new national heavyweight champion. So then from there, after scoring that win in the ring... We go back to a clip from the March 29th Omni card. It's the Minnesota Wrecking Crew. Ole and Gene Anderson attacking a downed Mike Davis. Davis just lost a matchup to Kevin Sullivan. And it's Mr. Wrestling 2 out to save the day, or so we thought. 2 also taking a beating 2-on-1 on from Ole and Gene there. So we throw it right now to Gordon Sully standing by with the new National Heavyweight Champion Steve-O and Grumpy Mr. Wrestling number 2. Well, thank you very much. You know, uh, it's a pleasure for me to come out here and present this prize, this this uh, belt, not only for myself, I'm very pleased, my family and everybody else, but it's for the people because they were the ones that were behind me. I went out there and I did it for the people, and I tell you, it's a heck of a feeling to have all those people, I said, all the crowd behind me cheer for you. Certainly no question about that, and of course, uh, wrestling too, it was rather a curious turn of events that uh, brought the national championship to Steve. Yes, it certainly was. As a matter of fact, uh, I understand you have some uh, some film on that, and uh, I think that will explain it more than I, even more so than I can. All right, I say what let's do then. Let's journey back in time to the Omni and take a look. We're going to see a situation now with Sullivan and Davis, and, uh, well, it'll be sort of somewhat self-explanatory. Uh, the Anderson brothers in there and uh, Mike Davis and of course Davis has had a thing uh, uh, trying to settle a score with these Andersons for quite a while. The Anderson brothers that just goes to show you exactly what kind of thing they're made of you know they, that, that's typical uh, of their attacks they like to uh, pick on someone especially when he's down I kind of made it my business I saw an opportunity boy and I flew in there with everything I had because uh, I've had it up to here with the Anderson brothers needless to say. Well that's certainly understandable and of course here you got a situation of two on one and uh, you're faring as well as anybody could be expected to fare against uh, uh, two men like the Anderson. Well, as you see, the Anderson, the two of them got, got me under control, got me down a little bit, but uh, I still had a lot of fire in me, and I was going to come back no matter what. As you know, two men, anytime you tangle with two men, you're going to have your hands full, especially with the Anderson brothers. All right, and uh, Steve Kern suddenly making his presence felt here very, very solidly, and... Uh, uh, now we got Steve Owen, of course, a, a regular free-for-all. Yes. Hey, uh, Steve and Steve Kern, both of them are supermen and uh, absolute uh, great uh, athletes, needless to say. But, you know, the Anderson brothers, I have had it up to here with you guys. And I want you to know 
I want you to know and everyone else to know that I've got it down now, pal, because your time is coming. I have talked to a man that I have had more tough battles with than anyone has ever seen. And every, each and every one of you out here know who I'm talking about because he also wears a mask with a star on it, and I'm talking about the superstar. He is going to be my partner, and Anderson Brothers, let me tell you something, you are going to feel a sting that you've never seen before, because Superstar and I are going to rip you from end to end and tear you out and put you out of commission if it's the last thing we do. Because Superstar, I know what he's made of, and he knows what I'm made of, and we're going to come after you with everything we've got, and that's going to be in the Omni, pal. The Omni is where it's going to happen. Superstar and wrestling too against the Anderson Brothers. There you have it. It will happen at the Omni on April 12th at 8 p.m. All right, there it is. Steve O, proud to be a champion for his friends, his family, and of course the fans. It's a great feeling. Meanwhile, Mr. Wrestling 2, he talks the Andersons being opportunists, jumping on people. They might have jumped on number two as well back at the Omni, but there's a lot of fire left in this grumpy old man. Two says he has spoken with a man that he knows all too well. A man he has had endless battles with in the past, Jamie. The toughest man he has ever faced. Number two then announces that the masked superstar. I bet Roman Gomez is popping somewhere. The masked superstar as his partner, Mr. Wrestling 2 and Superstar coming for the Andersons. A long time heated rivalry sees two enemies going to team up here. And that's Wrestling 2 and the Superstar. They know each other very well. And the match will go down versus the Wrecking Crew at the Omni on April the 12th. Well, if you want to get real technical, think back. They never call him the mass superstar in Georgia, and I don't believe they did in Mid-Atlantic either. Uh, that was when he would go to other promotions. Right, superstar. He's just, known, he's just simply the superstar. And your average viewer like myself at this time, I was shocked that superstar is going to team up with his arch enemy, Mr. Wrestling, too. Right. These guys have, have bled together everywhere. But... Yeah. As we have to remember at this time, Paul Jones and Mass Superstar had turned face a couple of months before, complete with that famous, uh, I think it was Pro um, Inside Wrestling Magazine, you cheer for us, we'll fight for you. And they were the NWA World Tag Team Champions. And, you know, now Superstar is a face. It makes sense to those in Mid-Atlantic who are watching this on TBS that those two guys would be teaming because they're both faces now. And right, most important. What about Mr. Wrestling 2's cool sweater? <laughs> well, we can't show that off here on the podcast, but I believe it's on YouTube for those that want to go check it out. Yeah, it's uh, it's not necessarily Bill Cosby-esque, but it, it's, uh, it's He tremendous. reminded me of my shop teacher in, in 10th grade. Always wore sweaters like that. And he was cranky like that guy, too. So two and my shop teacher, Mr. Cassidy, had a lot in common. Oh, grumpy, cranky, too, as the show continues on. From there, it's another March 29th Omni clip. It is the Andersons in the ring now taking on the team of Steve Kern and Steve O. I should mention, it was Kern and O who finally came out to the rescue, saving Wrestling 2 and Mike Davis from that beatdown earlier on the card. And here they are in the ring, the Andersons taking on Kern and Steve O. As we get yet another promo here from Steve O talking about the matchup with Gordon. Steve Kern going up against the Anderson brothers and Steve O, of course, as a result of all of this, you ended up wrestling uh, the Mongolian stomper for the National Heavyweight Championship instead of Dusty Rhodes. But uh, again, we're at that point where I think pictures would speak better than uh, words. So let's switch back to the Omni and see what happened uh, during this tag team match. 
All right, of course, it was you and uh, and Steve Kern against the Anderson brothers, the Minnesota Wrecking Crew. Well, you can see here now that during the course of the match, we're uh, quite a ways into the match now, and Carson saw fit that he should come out and cheer for the Anderson brothers. Well, Kern and I are just lucky that Dusty Rhodes happened to be watching, and the dream took it upon himself. Kern and I, you know, things turned out a little bit disastrously for him, but Kern and I at the time were very happy to see him. Because when Carson's hanging around the ring, you never know what he's going to be up to. He's gotten the stomper out of a lot of tight squeezes, and it just seemed like that he was going to try to do the same thing with the Anderson brothers. As you can see here, Dusty chased him off. And the match continued. It was a tough match. You know, the Anderson brothers are one of the toughest tag team combinations uh, in this part of the area, also throughout the country. And here you can see Don Carson. Dusty thought he had taken off back to the dressing room, but he snuck back to hit him over the head with a two-by-four when Dusty wasn't looking. And you can see Dusty laying on the ground. Of course, I had to continue with the Anderson brothers in the middle of the ring, and Kern took it upon himself to take it out on Carson. And you can see everything's breaking loose here. And poor Dusty's lying on the ground. Well, it was a sneak attack by Don Carson, and of course, uh, it looks to me like the two of you uh, had to take matters into your own hands to, uh, to settle the issue and clear the ring. There was a lot of matters to take into our own hands. You know, Ole and Gene were standing there, and Don Carson hanging around. You never know if he's got a two-by-four or what else he had. Uh, you know, I was just proud to be in Dusty Rhodes' corner, you know, the American dream, he, everything he stands for, you know, the man is a true legend, and uh, just being around the man is a real treat, but when somebody comes up behind him and does something like that, they're trying to take away the legend, and trying to bring down the dream, and I don't think they can do it. Well, I don't think so either, and I'll tell you what. So Steve-O kind of doing some commentary over this, he talks over the clip showing Don Carson attempt to interfere in the ring. Of course, I'm thinking Carson trying to keep Steve-O from coming out later, maybe as a corner man for Dusty Rhodes, I'm not really sure what the real reasoning here was. But as Carson comes to ringside and tries to interfere in the matchup, Dusty Rhodes arrives ringside as well, running Don Carson off. But Don returns with a big two-by-four, a big board, clocking it over the back of the head of the unsuspected American dream, knocking out Dusty Rhodes in the process, keeping Dusty out of that national heavyweight title match later on in the show versus the Stompers. So Don Carson, he... he uh. He's something else. What a manager is that evil heel Don Carson. I said it before, very underrated as a manager and uh, some fun shenanigans here. But I did notice in the footage, he clocks Dusty once and then he kind of bumps him again and very lightly taps the American dream. Doesn't want to upset Dusty Rhodes. Uh, he's already pissed Rhodes off enough <laughs> by calling him fat man a couple of times. So he's not going to do anything else to get deeper in the doghouse. Talking about that lisp and, uh, yeah, fat slob Dusty Rhodes. I remember that as well. So, yeah, Dusty, Dusty's coming for him either way, which which we'll see here pretty soon in the uh, great state of Georgia. But there it is. So we talked about the match itself on the last episode we did here on Regional Rass on the Andersons taking on Steve Kern, Steve-O. I do believe the matchup ends in a no contest, if I, if I remember correctly. But the big story here is Dusty Rhodes is taken out. Right, and now Dusty probably has a concussion or something from those two blows with the two-by-four. He can't make the match because the doctor has uh, advised him not to, if I remember correctly here. So who comes to the ring to challenge? Well, Mr. Personality himself, Steve-O, he'll step up and challenge the stomper. And we're going to get to that in just a minute. But it's not over yet between the American Dream and Don Carson, guys. Next, I have a VTR queued up with a very vengeful Dusty Rhodes. Earlier in the week, during this past week, Dusty Rhodes uh, videotaped a very, very special message. And let's listen to that message right at this time. Dusty Rhodes with a word for Don Carson. 
Yeah, it's a different situation going on right now. In every major event that happens around the country, there is always some way to get equal, some way to get evil, some way to get bad. I hate to, because sometimes it inflicts pain on me. Go in and pull out the bull rope. I hate to pull out the bull rope, because when I do, you know it means I get bad. You know whoever's on the other end will feel the pain, the blues, and the agony. And daddy, you can't sing the blues unless you had them. And Don Carson in the Omni, when you strap this piece of rawhide with this bell on it and it's ringing, you're going to be thinking about why you hit me in the back with a tuba for. You're going to be wondering why you're going to be taken out with the bull rope and I'm there. Okay, there we have it. No question about Dusty Rhodes and how he feels about the situation, of course. Uh, that particular, at that time at the Omni, he was rendered, uh, rendered uh, unconscious and, of course, was unable to go into his match against the Stomper. Well, you know, they've had so many injuries as of late. The doctor, the physician on the scene, recommended very highly that Dusty Rhodes not go back out. And from what has happened in the past, I can't blame him one bit. You know, there's going to be another time to fight Don Carson, to fight the Stomper. And Dusty Rhodes knows that, and he's going to fight him on his own terms. So there it is. The American Dream talks about getting even, getting bad, if you will. Dusty hates to do it because it hurts himself, baby. But Rhodes talks a bull rope match. Dusty Rhodes looking for a bull rope match with Don Carson. Dusty looking for revenge. Going to make Don think twice about what he did to the American Dream. Dusty coming for the manager. And for those who don't know, Don Carson used to be a wrestler as well. Yeah, he had a big reputation. Jumping around from Florida. Ron uh, Fuller's Knoxville promotion. Uh, he was always at the top of the card, too. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people don't follow those territory, the Gulf Coast, the Southeastern Territories, which is unfortunate. Don Carson was uh, quite the heel down there. The old uh, loaded glove, peanut butter. Yes, exactly. Peanut butter. Forgot about peanut butter there. And you guys will find a trend here on today's program as it's more Omni highlights up next from the March 29th show. Steve-O. As you pointed out, Jamie, subbing for the American Dream in the main event, taking on the Mongolian Stomper, defeating the Stomper, scoring the win with the airplane spin. But before we get to all of that, we'll go now and listen to Olsenowski himself describing the scene and becoming the national heavyweight champion. Hold on tight, everybody. This is a good one. All right, right now then, let's take a look at all of these events that led up to Steve-O and the national heavyweight championship. Let's take a look at that now. There's the stomper, of course, in the ring. At that time, he was the national heavyweight champion. Dusty Rhodes, who was scheduled to wrestle, could not, and you're taking his place. Well, you know, Carson and uh, the stomper were just ecstatic. Dusty Rhodes was not around. They thought they had things going their own way. And right now, they're just kind of laughing and joking to themselves because they had taken care of So they thought of Dusty Rhodes, and then they just loved me. So, you know, when the people start cheering for you and the adrenaline starts flowing it's a whole different story you get inside the omni you know and it's one of the biggest arenas in the country and when the people start cheering for you i may say this a lot of times but you know it drives wrestlers on to things it drives them on to things they never thought they could achieve in the olympics you know the adrenaline flows it drives athletes on but it was just the same way in the omni it drove me to come up with something i never thought i could come up with and uh, it was just enough to get by in the match well, it's the one thing that uh, that coaches can't teach, as far as I'm concerned, Steve, and that's you've got to the, 
There's no way you can uh, you can teach somebody to have heart. You either have heart and intestinal fortitude, or you don't. And uh, you have certainly proved, as everyone will see during this match, you proved that you've got that uh, couple with your tremendous wrestling capabilities and a beautiful move here. Well, you see here, I'm trying to go for the airplane spin. In the back of my mind, I know that I got one hold that Don Carson and the Stomper don't like, and that's the airplane spin. I tried to get it on him right there, and Carson once again jumped into the ring. Well, right here, they tried to take advantage of that, but I happened to switch the hold on him and got him into the airplane spin. I'm very confident with the airplane spin. I've won a lot of matches with the airplane spin, and it's been very good for me. And it just so happened that right here, it brought me the national championship. It did indeed in a solid count of three, too. Certainly no question about that. A stunned Don Carson charges into the ring. An equally stunned uh, uh, Mongolian stomper. Those shoulders were down for the count of three. We saw it. And, of course, uh, uh, this man who is with me right now, Steve-O, the new national heavyweight champion, and certainly, again, our congratulations. Well, you know, Gordon, those are moments I'm going to treasure forever, and I just want to, like, again, thank everybody because this belt belongs to them as much as it does me. Thank you so very much. Steve-O, the new national heavyweight champion, will be back in a moment. Well, there it is, as you referred to him, Jamie, Mr. Personality. Steve-O says that a physician recommended Dusty Rhodes not go out for the matchup, so Stomper and Don Carson laughed at the thought of Steve-O replacing Dusty, and honestly, I probably would have as well at the time, but it was the fans cheering that drove O with adrenaline, and that airplane spin apparently causes Stomper to lose his bearings, so it sounds like Steve-O gets the last laugh here on the Stomper and Don Carson, O, the new heavyweight champion. Yeah, and I think I mentioned this uh, last time I was on, that maybe they were following up the angle from a couple months ago where... Yes, Stomper was having equilibrium issues, and he gets him up in the airplane spin because that was a pretty clean one, two, three count. And you know something, Jamie? And I, I said this in the last episode when you when you brought that up. I never thought of that. So when I went back here to watch these again, because I usually watch all of these twice, see what I missed the first time. Uh, I went back and watched this a second time. This episode of TV here, and listening to Steve O there, he actually says one little sentence. He talks about that airplane spin. But he says something, and I totally forgot what it was now, but he says something there, something about, uh, you know, he took advantage of the stomper with the airplane spin, and it made me think, is that what he was referencing? And they're just not hitting the nail right on the head to drive it home for us exactly what they're all talking about. But maybe it is that equilibrium situation with the stomper's inner ear issue and the airplane spin, causing him to lose balance, lose his bearings, if you will, and Steve-O taking advantage and scoring the win. I believe he said real quick that the airplane spin was the one hold he wanted to get in on the stomper and it was the stomper was able to escape it the first time but he was able to get him and get him into it the second time that's right he had him in trouble with the airplane spin on tv not that long ago and here it pays off in the omni in atlanta uh, as the show rolls on as promised in the studio this week woo it's the number one contender to the nwa world title rick flair in the ring gonna score a win over ricky harris the future black bart and then standing by with gordon did you really think he'd leave the TBS studios without cutting a promo? Here he is, Ric Flair. As I said, of course, this man is the number one contender for the World Heavyweight Championship, closely followed, of course, by Tommy Wildfire Rich, but an interesting... Closely followed! Closely followed! But Gordon, it's been a long time, right, brother? But when they all want big-time wrestling, when they want to say, sell out... And the biggest name of them all, who do they call, Gordon Soley? They call the Nature Boy. Hey, no brag, 
just fact. Big money, big towns, woo! fast women, fast cars, pretty clothes, diamond rings, woo! and that NWA belt are all synonymous with Ric Flair. And that's why I'm in Atlanta. Harley Race won't come to me, so I'm coming to Harley Race. You understand that? Atlanta, you need Ric Flair. Woo! Harley Race is gonna have Ric Flair. Gordon Soli out here, baby. Woo! There's not much more I can say about that man. Flamboyant, but he is doubled up. So there was pretty generic promo from Ric Flair, but he's here. He's certainly ready for that world title shot against Harley Race. And he was still cutting the same promo in 2022. But that was Ric Flair, you know, at his finest. What a difference between Ric Flair and Steve-O. Yeah. In <laughs> interview style. Flair hasn't even, all he did was beat uh, Rick Harris, who hasn't even developed or put a lot of weight on yet. And he's all excited. Steve-O wins the <laughs> national title and he's just fucking like this. <laughs> I would refer to Ric Flair and Steve-O as night and day, but I don't believe there are two words that are polar opposites enough to describe these two men. But you're absolutely right. Ric Flair scores a squash win here, and he's, you know, he's elated. He's, he doesn't even have the title yet. Harley Race is running from him, in Flair's version of the story anyway. Uh, meanwhile, Steve-O wins the championship, and he's like, hi, guys. It's, it's kind of like 1992 Bob Backlund coming back to the WWF. Yeah. I mean, you know what they should have done here? As soon as they had Flair back, they should have said, Steve-O, you go hang with Flair and learn how this game's actually done. Oh, wow. Yeah, that would have been fun. But again, Flair was only working the TBS TV taping. I don't believe uh, from the glances that I took, he was really working in the house shows. No, they just coming just... in for the TV Saturday mornings at this point. Yeah, you're right. And as I just said a little bit ago, this is probably step number one in the tryout. Is he ready? And I'll send him in, you know, with the match in Atlanta. But judging by the crowd, you know, Flair was kind of a face, even though he was a cocky face. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned, like, Flair cutting the same promo in 81 that he would, like, 30 years later, because when I heard Ric Flair cutting his promos, it was in the peak Horseman era, so I just assumed that was stuff he had came up with, you know, during that time period. Makes sense, but when you go back and listen to his stuff from Crockett and even from Georgia here, he, you're right, he's saying the same stuff, you know, heading into the 1980s. He's been doing the same spiel for a long time. I'm not really knocking him or anything, it's just kind of entertaining to me inside, like, wow, he was saying... You know, uh, just like that you know, back in 1981. Yeah, I mean, uh, he was one of my dad's favorite wrestlers just because of the personality. But, but my dad also loved to hate him. When I showed him uh, Kerry pinning Ric Flair, that was the first time he had ever seen it, you know, back in 84, 85. Yeah. And uh, he, he just he just loved it. He, he always took to Flair. <laughs> Very cool. So uh show goes on. From there, we get a promo from Michael Peerless, Sexy Hayes. He says the Freebirds, they took out Ted DiBiase. They likely took out the Junkyard Dog yet again, although Hayes claims that was only an accident, Jamie. He merely tripped. But they're too busy with the tag team titles for Michael to worry about Tommy Rich, who still remains on that hit list. So Hayes has paid a man, the Masked Invader, to take care of Rich here today on the program. As we're off to the ring to see... Wildfire Tommy Rich take on the Masked Invader. And no, guys, that's not that Invader. Just a job guy under a hood. I figured out who it was. Okay, who was it? Ed Timms. Okay, well, the, you know, if I had paid attention close enough, I should have been able to figure that one out because Ed Timms has a very unique body type. 
and that was the unique body type. <laughs> tonight I watched this for like the third time, and it, it jumped out at me who the invader was. It was it was Ed Timms. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I sat there and I watched the matchup and I said, you know, I could probably figure out who this is if I wanted to take five minutes. And Jamie, you see my research on these papers. I just, I appreciate you taking that time. Thanks for filling in my gaps, brother. Well, that's what I'm here for, to help you out, right? <laughs> so I do appreciate that. Very cool. Because I'm not going to lie to you. I was wondering, I wonder who that was, but I just didn't want to go back and, and find out for myself. But that's really cool that you did that. I appreciate it, man. I, I believe the invader comes back again next week or... Comes back later again in this and, program, which yeah, I, have, I, I have my own comments about when we get there, but go ahead. I mean, that's I didn't so much <laughs> notice it in this one as I did the next match when we get there. Okay, that's when he jumped out at me. It was Ken Tim's or Ed Tim's, especially when they put the close up on the uh, face. I just wanted to be clear this was not Jose Gonzalez. I'm sure most of you didn't think it was, but oh, just, no. to, just to be clear, not that invader here. Tommy Rich in the ring taking on this invader who I guess is acting as some sort of a bounty hunter for Michael Hayes. Is Michael Hayes going to join commentary with Gordon Soley for the matchup? We're going to catch the closing moments of Hayes throwing a fit after the invader fails to get the job done. Tommy Rich scoring the win here with the Thez Press. This guy! This guy is nothing but a loser. I've never associated myself with nothing but winners. He's humiliated me by spending money on him. I'll find somebody to get this punk out of my hair. Michael Hayes and a very frustrated Michael Hayes saying that uh, he is no longer going to use the services of the invader. And so... Uh, Where's the sissy run to, Gordon? Where you at, Hayes? Sissy? You know, Gordon, I've got some good news today. And I got some bad news, you know. First of all, the junkyard dog and myself, we done proved that Hayes is sissies, is free birds, whatever you want to call them. We done proved they can be beat. All right, there it was, a very pissed off, purely sexy, angry he wasted his money on the invader, but vows to find someone to take out Tommy Rich. Not a very good job. I hope, I hope Michael didn't pay this guy too much money. But how great is Hayes? during all this. And he wasn't reading the script. This is coming totally off the top of oh, his yeah, head. Oh, yeah, all natural. I'm, I'm sure they give they gave guys target points back then. But, again, this is why Michael Hayes is in my top five of all time. Well, I certainly won't argue that when it comes to promos. But up next, guys, you guessed it, more highlights from the March 29th Omni event. This time we see Tommy Rich and the Junkyard Dog taking on the Freebirds. Remember, the babyfaces dedicated that night to Ted DiBiase, who's laid up in the hospital right now. And the babyfaces do get the win. Tommy Rich pinning Buddy Roberts in that non-title match. But immediately afterwards, it was Michael Hayes seemingly blinding Junkyard Dog with that hair removal cream yet again. And right now, we're going to go to Gordon Soley, as well as Tommy Rich, as the wildfire takes us through the matchup and the blinding of the dog. From the good guy's perspective. I believe you got a film that'll tell the whole story. Well, we have indeed. Let's uh, move to the Omni now and show you this match. Tommy Rich and the Junkyard Dog against the Freebirds. And, uh, of course, you can see at this point in time, uh, Tommy, all four of you in the ring at one time. Yep. That's the only way you... That's right there. We come in the ring and we come to take care of business, Gordon. We didn't come to play. And the Junkyard told me... He had his run in with him. He said you had to hit him hard and heavy, and that's exactly what we did. All right, the two of them in the ring now, and uh, the Freebirds uh, 
move back in uh, farther into the match at this point. Uh, the tag was made and the junkyard dog moves in. Of course, it was later on that, of course, this incident occurred regarding the junkyard dog. Yeah, you're seeing a little bit. Hayes got some of that. I don't know what it is he's got in the bottle. But just like you said, Gordon, you're seeing a little bit. He claims it was an accident, but he brought the stuff out there, and he knew exactly what he was going to do with it when he came out there. Well, of course, this is a great point of contention right now, and, of course, as the match continues, both Terry Gordy and uh, Buddy Roberts are uh, moving uh, as they do uh, all the time, uh, exceptionally efficiently, uh, under the management and guidance of Michael Hayes. Uh, one certainly has to give them uh, credit for being great athletes, uh, however uh, wrong their philosophical attitude might be. Well, that's exactly right. You know, I'm not taking nothing away from Gordy or Roberts, either one. They're both tough. I don't know what he's told him, Gordon, because just like you said, they're two great athletes, but they're, you know, they're hanging around with some bad company. The sissy, Mr. Hayes, Michael the sissy Hayes, I call him. Junkyard dog now with a beautiful atomic knee drop and... Uh, he right there, he got a hold of the sissy right there, Gordon. Big dog got wild, boy, Hayes jumped up. He right there, he's wishing, he's wishing he didn't. A few minutes, you'll see the dog got to him. See a little blood running down that here. We got a little bit of what we wanted, Gordon. Well, obviously, of course, in lieu of all the things that have happened, uh, uh, the situation is long from being over. You're exactly right. You know, they're making a thing, getting together and hurting people. Well, we're going to get our own little group together. You know, Hayes, he's always, any time you go out there with him, Gordon, it's, a, it's three on two because you can't forget about Hayes. Right there, you can see his head where the dog head butted He give Hayes all he wanted. Hayes right now is wishing that he wasn't even in the army. And it looks to me like he could be coming close to a choke. He makes the tag with you, and uh, you move back into action. Yeah, dog, he, he got down, he got over. So that's what a good tag team's all about. When you get in trouble, Gordon, you tag out. That's what Gordy and Roberts is good at. One gets in trouble, they tag out. So you got to stay on them all the time. You can't give them a chance to get on you, because when they do, they stay on you, and they, take you. They, they definitely know what they're doing out there. Junkyard dog scoring effectively now, and, of course, you come off the ropes, a beautiful uh, vertical body block, and now watch Hayes carefully. He comes into the ring, and it is difficult. It is difficult. He, he tripped. There was no question about that, and whatever that substance was uh, went into the face of the junkyard dog. Gordon, nevertheless, whether he tripped or not, he had to top off the stuff. He come in the ring. He knew what he was going to do. Tripping or not, that don't have nothing to do with it. He come in there to blind the dog, and he got half of the job done. He just got him in one eye, you know. And he's got that dog stirred up and fired up. The dog, he's he down, he's getting ready. And he said he didn't care where we got a hold of him at, whether it was out in the parking lot, he didn't care. But uh, Mr. Sissy and his two Freebirds was definitely going to get guy. Well, there's uh, certainly no question about the fact that uh, I think both of you have all of the justification and all of the right in the world uh, to want to get them back into the ring. I might just point out that... Uh, the junkyard dog has uh, uh, got some uh, double vision, I understand, in one eye, and uh, uh, also uh, he's very light sensitive in the other at this point. Yeah, that's exactly right. Right now he's having to wear a patch on his eye. I wrestled with him another night. He has to wear a patch and some goggles because he can't. His eye, one of his eyes is messed up. He's got double vision. The doctor, you know, he told him it'd be a while before it come back, so we don't know how long he's going to have to wear the patch on his eye. All right, uh, don't know where to start here. That was edited down just a little bit, the entire conversation, easily available on YouTube for those interested. But essentially, I did edit out about just a minute or so of additional audio of just Gordon commentating on the matchup. I tried condensing this to make it a little more appealing, as appealing as possible to those 
with short attention spans listening at home. But Tommy Rich, he says he doesn't buy Michael Hayes' jive about blinding the dog being an accident. But Tommy does have some good news as the JYD will recover, guys. Don't worry. Michael Hayes only, quote unquote, got him good in one eye. I had to laugh at that. Uh, Tommy Rich talks finding some friends to even the odds and taking the birds on anywhere, whether it's in the ring or maybe even in a parking lot. Gordon Sully then elaborating that JYD has double vision in one eye and light sensitivity in the other. Rich says for now, the dog will be wearing an eye patch over the bad eye, and it's unknown how long it'll take for full recovery from the light sensitivity. So dog not completely blind this time around. He's going to be able to return to the ring sooner rather than later. Yeah, well, Gordon kind of contradicts Tommy there. If you pick up, well, Tommy says he only got him in one eye. Gordon's saying he did get him in both eyes, but the one he got him worse in the one eye than the other eye. And then, and when you watch it, it's not a clean uh, rub into the eyes. You know, Hayes does trip over the rope a little bit and doesn't get him with a with a clean shot. Well, I won't argue that that perhaps perhaps he truly did trip. But my question was, what was he doing with a handful of hair cream to begin with? You know, <laughs> Michael gets that five o'clock shadow real easy. Yeah, that's true. So he just brought it to ringside. That way, if it started filling in too much, he could just put it on and, it, you know, it, it would disappear. You'd you think a man with a head of hair like that would be a little more careful how they threw around hair cream removal. That's all I'm saying. I guess he never thought about the dangers of the, the hair cream to himself. Oh, somebody should have ribbed him in Mid-South and accidentally got the hair cream in his hair. Because you know Bill Watts. This this shit's real. You got to go shave your head, pal. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> you think Michael Hayes would have skipped the promotion? Oh, he'd have been gone. Because the, the hair was his whole gimmick. It sure was. So Tommy Rich explaining away how he saw, from his point of view, the matchup against the Freebirds, the Babyfaces. They did go over on Ted DiBiase night, but it was Michael Hayes and the Birds getting the last laugh there. But we're going to wait and see. We're going to hear from Michael Hayes again before this episode's over. He's, he's going to explain it from his point of view, and I can't wait to get there. But from now, the, the segment doesn't end there, though. It continues on. Tommy Rich then announces that he, Steve Kern, and Steve O, they went to visit Ted DiBiase the other day in the hospital. That's medical facility, pal. And they brought a video camera along with them, per the request of Ted, who wants to thank the fans for their support. Let's listen to Ted DiBiase. Well, you said, too, that you had some good news. Yes, we went down. You know, all the people's been asking me about how Ted's doing and everything. And uh, Steve Kern and Steve Orr and myself, we went down to the hospital the other day to see him and uh, took the camera crew down so, so that Ted could just get a chance to tell all the people because he said he was really, you know, it tickled him to death. That, I mean, not that he was hurt, but that all the people, he, you just wouldn't believe, Gordon, all the calls and the letters and just all the people that's been real concerned about him. And he said he just wanted to thank all the people very much, so we thought we'd let him do that himself. Absolutely. May I just say that I've had thousands of phone calls asking about the condition of Ted DiBiase. For all of you that were so uh, terribly concerned about him as we were, uh, again, may I give credit to the paramedics who uh, uh, responded with such quick and efficient uh, care to Ted and, of course, to the entire our hospital staff for their outstanding job. Let's go then to the hospital and these comments from uh, our good friend Ted DiBiase on the way to recovery. After what happened to you yesterday, Ted, you know, not only are we concerned, but all the people, you know, we've been getting a lot of calls and people asked me all day yesterday how you was doing. And I guess the only the best way for them to know us for us to come down, you know, we wanted to come down and see how you was doing and figured you could just let everybody know, you know, because like I said, a lot of calls and everything, let everybody know how you was doing. 
really appreciate you guys coming down to see me. It's always good to uh, know that your friends are there to support you when you're when you're down and out. And, uh, I have to excuse me a little bit if I don't sound quite myself. I'm on, on some some very heavy medication for pain. Uh -huh. I've uh, doctors have told me that I, I've suffered a serious concussion and that I do have a I do have a neck injury and that my neck is going to be stiff for some time and I really don't know how long it's going to be how long I'm going to be laid up you know it's one of those things that you think about and you know that it can happen but you don't ever really expect it to happen to you and right now I'm just uh, just hoping for the very best I would like to say that, that the personnel, the people here at the hospital have treated me very well. I've received an awful lot of phone calls and telegrams from people all over the country wishing me well. And uh, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank everybody for their concern and their support because right now it's greatly appreciated and greatly needed. I really don't know what else to uh, to say right now, except that I hope that I can come through this thing and get back on my feet because I'm I'm not a quitter. I've never been a quitter. I don't intend to start now. Well, we know that, Ted, and you know we wish you a speedy recovery, and so do all the people out there. So a little hard to hear there at times, DiBiase trying to talk with that neck brace on, but he's laying in a hospital bed in that neck brace, and he wants to thank his friends and the fans for their support. He talks his injuries of a serious concussion and a neck injury here. He says his neck is stiff, and it'll be stiff for a while. Note he does not say that it's broken. He says he doesn't know when he'll be released from the hospital. DiBiase, again, appreciates all the calls, the telegrams. From around the country, remember this is on cable, guys, Ted hopes to be able to return to the ring because he's no quitter. And I remember watching this angle in this segment here, this promo of DiBiase in the hospital for the first time, maybe something like 30 years ago, Jamie. And even though you know it's a work, it was just so well done. You, you kind of just got sucked into it. And this was like 10, 12 years after it happened that I saw it. Yeah, I remember watching this on a TBS Saturday night when it aired and um you know at the time i bought a hook line and sinker now my buddy drew samuels from the other ship podcast pointed out to me that uh ted dibiase said in a shoot interview that they gave the hospital all the names of the people that were allowed to get in and evidently they forgot to give the name jim barnett wow and barnett tried to get in and they wouldn't let him in the hospital that's got to be a bummer barnett reportedly was the guy that brought dibiase to georgia to kind of try to Prime him for a world title run. Right, with, with uh, Watts' urging. Well, guys. So, <laughs> he didn't wind up getting in there. Uh, but, I mean, eventually he did. He just wasn't on the original list. Right. So the sound bites, they just keep coming this week, Jamie. Up next, we get a VTR from the Junkyard Dog. And yet again, Wildfire Tommy Rich. Here's a great team. Tommy Wildfire Rich and the Junkyard Dog. Well, you know, a lot of things been happening around here. You know, Ted DeVos just got hurt here. And Sunday night, my main man, Tommy Rich and I, we beat the Freebirds, but we didn't get a chance to enjoy it. Simple because, Hage, you got to me once again. Now, I can't, I got this passion on this side because it's very sensitive to light. 
And I got double vision in this one. But Hayes, no matter what, whether it's in Atlanta, Georgia, at the Omni, or Columbus, Hayes, keep looking over your shoulder because that square circle is the dog yard and nobody run the dogs out of his yard. Oh, I'm going to get you, Hayes. Tommy Richard, myself, you going to feel the thing of the thump, Hayes. Just stick your nose in again. You haven't forgotten me yet, Hayes. You'll never forget me. I'm going to always be around. Sissy's better. You better be looking over your shoulder, Hayes. It could be in the Omni in Columbus, Ohio, but it might be out in the streets. So, Hayes, you better have your boys ready. I love Freddie Miller there. Here's a great team, the Junkyard Dog and Tommy Rich. Like he had to introduce them to us. I wrote LOL. Oh, that's, you know, that's Freddie's job. He, he's the company shill. And I don't mean that in a bad way. He's the Gene Okerlund of TBS at the time. It so wasn't that was, so much that he... The carnival barker. That's to get everybody over. <laughs> it wasn't so much that he said their names. It was that he had to mention that there, here's a great team. Thanks for telling us, Freddie. We couldn't have figured that one out. Uh, but if you guys uh, don't listen, pick on Freddie, I love I love, Freddie. I love Freddie Miller. The clothes of all of my grenade shows are dedicated to Freddie Miller. Be there. And I, uh, I even liked it when he when Vince took him aboard. Yeah, it was fun getting this. It still felt like a little time. And don't get I don't want a bunch of hate mail, guys. A little bit of Georgia Championship Wrestling was still with me because Freddie Miller was there. I did not say it was good. Um, well, you know. <laughs> The the matches were horrible, but right. some of those interview segments that Freddie does with like JYD and Blackjack Mulligan. Oh, they're and, fun. And wrestling too. Oh yeah, they're great. It's almost like taking you back into the day with no audience and WWF behind them. Oh yeah, because it's uh, it's not Gordon solely ran, so he's not really controlling the interview like 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 Gordon does. Freddie Miller's more of a mean gene. He kind of just lets it play out, but. Gene would instigate as well, whereas Freddie did not. But yeah, it was fun. I, I agree with you. Yeah, that that was good stuff. But uh, if you guys just listen to that sound bite, Junkyard Dog says they beat the Freebirds, but they didn't get a chance to enjoy it. Michael Hayes got him again. Junkyard Dog wearing an eye patch now over the eye that's sensitive to light, but warns Hayes to keep looking over his shoulder because JYD will be back very soon. So they run a tremendous angle, but this time they keep the dog from being completely blinded and having to be out for months like they did in the Mid-South. He'll be back before we know it, and the feud continues on. I can't believe nobody's brought up that they uh, kind of ruined Michael Hayes' birthday. That's true. By I handing a free bird to loss. Yeah. Even though I guess blinding the dog was a good present in itself, but or well, kind, of, Hayes, kind of to blind the dog. Hayes, Hayes did say in a promo on that last episode that it was his birthday, but he was going to be the one bringing the gifts, and that he did. Oh, yes, and he delivered. Uh, once again, when it, is he not? It's it, scary. That's, it's exactly where I was going to go. Since they've arrived in September, everything they say they have done. That's why if I was Tommy Rich, I'd just pack my bags and, and take off at least till the birds are off to another territory because they have literally done everything they said they're going to do for like the last half year. Well, nobody ever said Tommy Rich was the sharpest tool in the shed. Well, true that too. As uh, we roll on, hey, he's back in town, guys. Georgia heavyweight champion Tony Atlas scores a win over Snake Brown. And then we hear briefly from the Georgia heavyweight champion. Here's Tony Atlas. About the tremendous capabilities and abilities of this man, Tony Atlas, Mr. USA and uh, Mr. Hercules and the Georgia heavyweight champion. You know, God, thank you very much. You know, the more I begin to wrestle, I feel myself getting back in shape. Here last week I was here. And I was into bodybuilding, had my man on bodybuilding, my man is on wrestling, 
I feel good about main man Tommy Rich being back. Junkyard dog, my best wishes go out to him. And Ted DiBiase. A lot of people like the Freebirds running through the air talking about how bad it is. Freebirds, anytime you want to get a partner and wrestle against the Georgia chapter Atlas, feel free to come on and do so. Fair enough. There you have it. A challenge from uh, the Georgia heavyweight champion, Tony Atlas. And Tony, uh, congratulations and continued success. Thank you very much, Gordon. Okay. An outstanding young fellow and a great, great competitor. He is the Georgia heavyweight champion. So Atlas returning from a bodybuilding competition yet again. Now he also worked at Madison Square Garden card on March the 16th, pinning Hulk Hogan, brother. Tony Atlas back in town, but the more he wrestles, he says, the more he feels back in ring shape. Tony sends best wishes to the dog and Ted DiBiase, and he's happy to see Tommy Rich back in town as well. Atlas then goofs up here in the promo, telling the birds to find a partner to fight him. Or maybe Tony wants to take on four guys. I'm not really sure. Uh, it's Tony who actually needs the partner here, but it's semantics, and they're certainly overrated when it comes to pro wrestling. And he's Tony Atlas. You don't listen to what he says. You just listen to what he says. That's right. Watch him Watch him pose and, and <laughs> listen to the heat behind some of by, his uh, good promos anyway. By, by the way, to get back into Tony and his bodybuilding, yeah. uh, Gordon sneaks in there during the match that he had won Mr. Hercules. Yeah, he does refer to him as Mr. Hercules a couple of times. Which and is he was also that, that in the Mr. Tony, Universe uh, tournament. Yes, it's kind of weird that Tony doesn't really put himself over in that in that situation. And I know he's a baby face, but man, winning something like that, face or heel, is something you should really take pride in. Yeah, well, the, the whole interview segment was always Tony's weak spot. Well, that that's also true. You're hitting a, hitting a lot of home runs today, Jamie. That's for sure. Blind squirrel <laughs> finds a nut once in a while, Ray. <laughs> So, uh, show rolls on. National Tag Team Champion Freebirds. That's Terry Gordy and Buddy Roberts scoring a win over Tom Hart and Charlie Cook. And the match followed by another quick Freebirds promo. We have Tommy Wildfire Rich and the Junkyard Dog in a special oh, grudge match. You know something? I feel good because finally things are going our way. Ted DiBiase. As you're sitting there in that hospital, boy, remember all the weeks of torment that you tried to put on us. Remember that it is not our fault. It is you and your so-called friends, such as that dog. And Rich come out here and told a pack of lies. The only thing that happened to you, punk, was that you're too clumsy. You can't walk and chew bubblegum at the same time. But it doesn't matter. It can be in the Omni on April 12th. It can be tomorrow night where we're going to Columbus, Ohio to bring Freebird Fantasia. But let me tell you something, pump. Don't ever call me a sissy, cause I am a man. And Freebird Fantasia will bite you too. So it's Freebird's Fantasia running wild. JYD and DiBiase, they did it to themselves, Jamie. And now Tommy Rich out here telling lies as well. Wildfire still next on that Freebirds hit list. Yeah, Tommy's in for deep trouble. Because like we just said, whatever Michael Hayes says is going to happen will happen. Yeah, so this is not over yet, guys. Even though it's down to just Tommy Rich for the moment, we know the dog's going to be back right around the corner. DiBiase eventually going to return. Lots coming up still in this whole Freebird storyline, so stay tuned there as this episode of TV continues, though. Next, we hear from the manager of the former national heavyweight champion, the man who was publicly challenged by the American Dream. I'm talking about manager Don Carson. Oh, 
Take a look at this gentleman that you're looking at right now. I am the Southern gentleman, the greatest dress manager in the world. I heard what Dusty Rhodes said. Can you imagine inviting me into the ring when I go out there? I train people, Gordon Soley. I don't have to worry about going into the ring and getting myself all messed up. 1977, 1978, and 1979, I was voted the greatest and the best dressed man in the wrestling business today. In other words, you're not answering his challenge. You're denying his challenge? We might have a little surprise for him. There's a lot of people getting hurt around here now. If the man can't stand the heat, he needs to get out of the kitchen. Take a look, Gordon. I haven't even combed my hair today. This is perfect, perfect, perfect perfection. Right here. You're taking a look at it right now, Gordon. This well, is number one. Thank you so very much, uh, Mr. Carson. Uh, what can you say about a gentleman like Don Carson? You know, he's a manager, but Dusty Rhodes wants him, that's for sure. The southern gentleman and best-dressed manager in all the land. He hasn't even combed his hair today, and it's still all in place. You're looking at perfection here in Don Carson. I guess you could call him sartorial splendor. Never thought I'd be able to use that line again, Jamie. Uh, Carson said he heard Dusty Rhodes' challenge, but he trains people to wrestle for him. He doesn't need to get in the ring himself anymore. Rhodes, he might be in for a little surprise, as there's a lot of people getting hurt around here as of late. So Don Carson, at this point, refusing to get in the ring with the American Dream, certainly in that bull rope match, but at the same time, maybe a surprise lies ahead. I mean, look at the modesty in the guy. He, he doesn't even want people to know that he was an accomplished wrestler once upon a time. He just wants to be looked at as a man of, of honor and, and grace and, and just how handsome he is. And I'll tell you what, with that perfect blonde hair he has, that's going to look great in red. What did he say? 1977, 78, best-dressed man? I, I, don't even, I and, can't remember. That. And 79. Oh, was it 79? All right. Three years in a row. Well, I don't know what happened in 1980. Something, something, something fell off the truck there. But uh, the show goes on. So Don Carson, we're not done even hearing from Don today. We're going to hear from him yet again here in just a little bit. So I look forward to that when we get back to Don Carson. But from, from here on this episode, we go back to a rerun of an old matchup featuring the Minnesota Wrecking Crew Oli and Gene Anderson with a squash match here. Obviously, they're not in town for this episode of Georgia TV, but we do then get a live matchup, or at least taped that day. Roberto Soto back in Georgia, scoring a win over Bobby Garrett. And then up next, standing by with Bob Cottle. You heard me right, Bob Cottle. A VTR from Mid-Atlantic TV with the Minnesota Wrecking Crew. Now we're going to hear from Oli and Gene Anderson. The Anderson brothers coming to Atlanta to the Omni. Gene and Ole Anderson, Minnesota Wrecking Crew. And Ole, I think you fellows made a mistake when you jumped wrestling number two. He's got himself a partner, superstar, and they're going to be some team. I can't imagine where in the world they would come up with a combination like that. Wrestling number two, you've got to have lost your mind. The superstar? Well, I'll tell you what. We didn't make a mistake jumping you, uh, number two. You made the mistake even getting in the ring with us. The fault is yours, but we'll correct that. We had a lot of other things on our mind, but this time we won't have anything on our mind but you. You and the superstar. Now, there's a real combination, Gene. Two guys with masks. Never, ever had those masks off. Let's give everybody a little bit of a treat. After we beat Superstar and after we beat wrestling number two, let's rip those masks right off their heads. Right here. Right here in Atlanta. Right at the Omni. The Anderson brothers are coming, so get ready. So Ole thinks that Mr. Wrestling 2 must have lost his mind to trust a team with a superstar. 
And I tend to agree with that, Jamie. And then remember, number two, that's wrestling two, that the Andersons didn't make that mistake of attacking two. It was two who made the mistake of trying to attack the Andersons. Also true. Oli then vows that he and Gene will defeat Wrestling 2 and the Superstar and then rip their masks off. Well, we'll have to wait and see on that one, guys. But Oli spouting a lot of truths overall here. Got me to thinking. Articulate heels, they don't exist enough in today's world. But I love this here. Oli Anderson, it's not I'm coming to kick your butt. It's it's a whole lot of it makes a lot of sense. I wish this feud had gone on for about six months to a year. Just hearing Oli... Oli and two going back and forth every week on television, <laughs> even just standing with poor Golden, uh, Golden, Gordon Soli in between. Do you think the entire premise of Grumpy Old Men, the movie, was based off these two? Like, these guys should have got the parts. These guys oh, they, easily got the they, parts. They were great. Like I told you, Wrestling 2 looked like my high school uh, shop teacher, and Oli looks like my high school uh, gym coach. You know, get down and give me 20. We had a gym teacher. He built just like goalie. He was a short powerhouse. Of course, he didn't have the big beard and everything, but he talked slow and exact. And if you didn't do what he told you to do, he he wouldn't hesitate to knock your head off. But only back in those back in those days, you could do that, right? And doing what he does best here, just making sense of things. Wrestling two is going to trust the superstar, which even had me scratching my head. Obviously, these for those of you who don't know, they had a history rivalry here. In the Georgia Territory, Superstar Unmasking Wrestling 2. Lots of great angles done throughout that storyline, that, that feud between the two men. And uh, here they are. They're going to team up here. Like you said, I would have loved to have seen it go on for months. Instead, it's just a one-off. Yeah, they should have got a Superstar interview in this. Oh, I'd have loved to have seen them work that in. I mean, that would have been great. So I'm starting to wonder, because I've never seen any highlights of the match going forward. I wonder if they... Uh, might have slid somebody else into the superstar spot. That's a good question. I, I would because like to, I would like to get, think not. Only because Wrestling 2 was cutting a promo like it was going to be Edie. I just, with Oli booking the Mid-Atlantic Territory at the time, I feel like it was I, it, it was really Edie. I don't know. You I mean, right. it makes sense and everything, but, I mean, if you want to fast forward into, uh, what was it, Christmas night, and they had a six-man tag with the Assassin, Superstar, and Super Destroyer. Right. That's not Joe Hamilton. That It's definitely either Moondog Rex or Dirty Roads right. when we get to that point. But they try to push it off as Hamilton. So maybe they were doing the same thing here. Again, I haven't seen the match, so I don't know which it actually is. It's just something that you know popped in my head. Maybe they didn't use the real Edie. That's why we're not seeing him on TV. Because that would have been a great interview. Or you'd have to at least have him come in the studio. For the two guys to shake hands, like down the line, Terry Funk and Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, I just feel like, I mean, I don't know either. Like like you said, we don't get any video footage of this. I just feel like had it not been Edie, I'd like to think that they would have just went with somebody completely different rather than claiming that the superstar was involved here. But who knows? I mean, without footage, it's, it's either way. And I never even thought of it being an option. Uh, but again, it was a guy under a mask. So anything's possible. Yeah, it just popped into my head. So people could take it for what it's worth. So we're well into our number two now of this episode of TV and Ric Flair back in the ring for the second time here tonight, this time defeating the very capable Charlie Fulton. Great uh, enhancement worker there. Charlie Fulton doing the job to the figure four leg lock as we, we follow it up with yet another Ric Flair promo. Seen apply a figure four in that manner. 
You know why? Because that's my figure four. That's not Buddy Rogers. It's not Jack Briscoe's. It's not wrestling two. It's the nature boys figure four. You understand? Everything I do is original. Like that girl over there said, she said, you see the nature boy? Well, he is some kind of fine. Right or wrong? He is some kind of fine. He's not one of the free birds. He's not Dusty Rhodes. He is the nature boy. Woo! He is the finest thing going today. Cadillacs, diamond rings, and any woman I want. Just like that. You know why? Because my name is Ric Flair. And I am the finest, toughest piece of work in wrestling today. And I'm here, Gordon, for one reason, and one reason only, because Harley Race won't come to the Big Daddy. Woo! So the Big Daddy is coming to Harley Race. And I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving Atlanta until Harley Race and I meet right there. Fast women, fast athletics, that's what Atlanta's known for. That's what I'm known for. And brother, the nature boy is going to stay here woo, until he takes the world title from Mr. Harley Race. Ladies and gentlemen, look at it. It's the finest product today. No imitation, awfully imitated, but never duplicated. The nature boy will be here woo, for a long time. So Gordon Sully says he's never seen the figure four applied like Flair does it. And I assume he was meaning the, the spinning, spinning the leg, that spinning toehold, if you will, into the figure four is a lot of guys from the Florida territory, like a Dusty or a Hulk Hogan even, would sort of just kind of grab the leg, wrap it behind you and lock it on. Wasn't the gimmick in it, I'm drawing a blank without actually seeing him do it, but doesn't he use the reverse leg that everybody else does? Wasn't that the, the gimmick with Flair at one point? Like say everybody puts it on with their right leg and then wraps around. Right, he does it with his left leg. Yeah, it very well. It very well could be. I'm not. I don't know. I don't know that I've ever again something else that just popped in my head. (laughs) Yeah, and I've seen a lot of things. I've only seen him wrestle eight million times, but I, you know, I I have no idea. It's a good point. Yeah, I thought that was the gimmick at one point that he applied it from the opposite of the great Buddy Rogers and and the Briscoes and stuff like that and the Funks. So Sully says he's never seen the figure four applied like that before, while Flair says that's because it's his figure four, not Buddy Rogers, not Jack Briscoe, not Wrestling Twos, but apparently the Nature Boy Ric Flair, and he does it only as the Nature Boy can. Flair then reiterating he's here for one reason, that being the NWA World Champion Harley Race. Since Race won't come to Big Daddy, Big Daddy is going to come to Harley Race. For those wondering... Big Daddy here being Ric Flair. Flair vowing to stay in Georgia, or at least every Saturday morning, until he meets Harley Race for that world title. Often imitated, but never duplicated. Flair says he will be in this area for a long time to come. Woo! So Flair, even though he's there only for TV and the Omni shows at this point, he's making it feel like he's here full time. And the show will continue on here as the former National heavyweight champion, the Mongolian Stomper, going to get a win here over Ed Timms, the brother of Ken Timms, for the record. So Ed Timms wrestling here. You said he's also the invader, so he's got a lot of work here this week on TV. As we head off to yet another Don Carson promo, this time he's standing by with the Stomper. Gordon, I told you it was beautiful. It's all in the mind. It's right here. 
Dusty Rhodes needs to worry a little bit. We're going to Columbus, Ohio. We are going to Columbus, Ohio. Ted DiBiase is supposed to be the man's partner. Ted won't be there. They're bringing in Robert Fuller. Robert Fuller will be there. That's perfectly all right. This man right here, Gordon Soley, is the number one top man in the world today. He's going to be in the Omni. Tell him his opponent in the Omni. All right. Now, in the Omni, of course, facing Tony Atlas, you've got a situation. Yeah! Tony Atlas, people are being hurt. People are being destroyed. And it's time to get the job done. And I am not through with Dusty Rhodes yet, Gordon. I am not finished yet. Well, a Texas bull rope match is what he wants with you. Hey, I'm not, I'm not saying one word about anything except it may be surprising. So the Stomper apparently headed to Columbus, Ohio. He was supposed to wrestle Ted DiBiase, but with DiBiase out, now it's Robert Fuller who's still here, kinda. Uh, Don Carson also talks the Stomper taking on Tony Atlas at the upcoming Omni event and warns Dusty Rhodes they're not done with him yet either. Again, promising surprises ahead. And actually, if you listen real close, Carson says, I'm not done with Dusty Rhodes yet. Uh-huh. So you know he, he must have something diabolical up his sleeve. Yeah, and he'll talk more about that on next week's episode of TV. But for right now, it's back to the ring with Wildfire Tommy Rich scoring a win over Snake Brown. And then it's once again another Tommy Rich promo. And the best of the following night will start. Uh, I feel good today. I feel good today. You know, looks like Hayes, Mr. Sissy. How about it back there, Mr. Sissy Hayes? You know, seems like he says his boys, Gordy and Robert, ain't got enough time. They hadn't got enough time for Tommy Rich. Well, Michael Hayes, don't send mass men. Don't send. Nuts. The only nut I want to get a hold of, Hayes, is you or one of your free birds. You know. Well, in the Omni on the 12th, you'll have that chance. You know, Gordon, you said exactly right. The 12th, well, I'm the junkyard dog in myself. You know, but there's a lot of other places. There's Columbus, Ohio. Tonight, I'm going to be in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So, Hayes, you know, he was out here talking about Freebird Fantasia. Well, I got a new name for it. It's Sissy Fantasia. And, Hayes, I'm coming after you, Jack. And I don't care where it's at. Chattanooga, Columbus, it don't matter. So just a quick promo there from the wildfire talking Sissy Hayes. Tells him to stop sending bounty hunters at him. Rich wants Hayes himself, or at least one of his boys, Gordy or Roberts. Yeah, anytime anybody ever goes and hires a hired hand, it, it never works out for them. They ought to just keep their money and do it themselves, like Tommy Rich is saying. And then, well, Tommy Rich, he got to do it earlier, so it's only fair that we hear both sides of the story. Michael Hayes back out here and says, Tommy Rich, he keeps telling lies. Hayes talking that doctored footage from the Omni, and Michael Hayes wants to tell his side of the story as we see the Omni match yet again between the Freebirds taking on Rich and JYD. And it's Michael Hayes here doing commentary over the highlights this time and the blinding of the dog. Stay tuned, and me and Jamie will be back on the other side to talk all things Fabulous Freebirds. Rich was out here telling a bunch of fabricated lies. And I know you got that film back there. Now you show it, and I'll give you a true account of what happened on my birthday. And... Well, these are really idiots out here. Roll the film. All right, let's take a look at what he's referring to, of course, is the incident 
uh, with Tommy Rich and uh, uh, the situation that occurred with the junkyard. And uh, if we can't start this, I'm a man. I'm a full-blooded man. Roll the tape, Sully. All right, let's uh, I'll let you go. explain it in detail, sir. I will if you'll just give me a chance. Now, here they are acting all silly, trying to steal my strut. They look like a bunch of chickens with hemorrhoids or something. And look, the thing here is they are trying to put together a tag team combination in their first time together, and they're against a tag team that goes through training, rigorous training methods, time in, time out again. Gordon Soley, you've been around wrestling a lot. I don't like you. I don't mind saying it, but I know you know talent when you see it. And this is the best tag team in the world. And it's not bragging. It's the truth. Now look at this. He's kicking on Buddy like he's a wild idiot, running around howling like a dog. See, the man don't know if he's coming or going. See, you know, he, he's got strength. He's got ability, but he has no brain. Now this punk here calling somebody a sissy. Now who's down, huh? Now who's down gonna call somebody a sissy? Legal tag, a legal boot to the head, and Tommy Rich is kinda welcome back to Georgia. Georgia on my mind, the only thing on his mind is Buddy Roberts' boot in his head. Now see, there wasn't even a tag there. He's trying for a tag, he's down flat out on his back. You know, see, we don't, Gordon, we don't have to come out. I heard Rick Flair out here driving about you know, he's this and that, and he's not a freebo. No, he's not a freebo. There's only three of them in the world, and that's all they'll ever be because we stick together. We do our thing together. There's Junkyard Dog holding on to the hair. Throw it. Now, look, see, he's dragging Buddy in the ring. He's not even supposed to be in. Now, this is where he made his mistake. See that? He had no business touching me and doing that to me and busting my head like that. There I am in my beautiful million-dollar robe, and he's pulling me in the ring. I'm minding my own business. But... He did get what he deserved. Wasn't my fault. I can't, you know, I can't be responsible for how stupid he is. I mean, you can just look at the guy and see he has not a lick of intelligence. But see, all that acting up because all the people condone him, they approve him, they like Tommy Rich the junkyard dog. So we don't need that for motivation. You see who's down right now. The junkyard dog is down. See, it should have been a three. Now look at that. That is a pathetic sight. A beautiful face like that covered with crimson for no reason. I did nothing to the man, and he dragged me inside the ring. But you know, cheaters never prosper, and every dog <laughs> has its day. I hate, get that off the camera. I can't watch that, man. There, that's better. Now you see he's down, he's out. So we don't need fans for motivation, Gordon Soley. All we have to do is hear our song and get it on. Now here comes, yeah, all right, so here's a big tag to Tommy Rich, and what can he do? Throw punches. That's all, throw a bunch of punches, and he ain't even knocked anybody down yet. No, this is not a caliber class team. We shouldn't even have to have wrestled these guys in the first place. Since DiBiase couldn't have made the match, then they should have just forfeited. Now see, here it is. Now, see, the junkyard dog has no business being in there. He's not the legal man. I'm, I'm and I tripped. See, I just tripped. It was an accident. Now, it was a full accident. Anybody can see right there. It was an accident. It was an accident. It was an accident. If he'd have never been in the corner where he didn't belong, he was not the legal man in the ring. I cannot be responsible for, you know, hey, if he's stupid, he's stupid. It's not my fault. I'm not his parents or nothing. <laughs> I mean, you can't hold me for where the guy stands in the ring. And if he gets what he deserves, then he gets what he deserves. I have no remorse about it. It's the second time it happened to him. He's as dumb as, you know, as he looks. 
if not dumber. And that's just the way it should be carried out, just like that. But the thing... What were you doing in the ring is what I'd like to know. Well, you remember, he dragged me in. Now, see this. This is ridiculous. If I could get them to hush a minute, I want you to know that tomorrow night is Columbus, Ohio, and Junkyard Dog and Tommy Rich want to try it again. In the 12th, in the Omni, Junkyard Dog and Tommy Rich want to try it. But the first thing Tommy Rich has got to do is get by tonight in Chattanooga. And I understand his partner's wrestling too. I don't know why they got these two men together. I understand they're trying to compromise a whole bunch of people to get rid of the Freebirds. Let me tell wrestling too. Let me tell Tommy Rich. Let me tell Junkyard Dog. Ain't none of y'all can do it, baby. Cause Fantasia, and it's Freebird Fantasia, not no sissy Fantasia. Is here to stay, brother, whether we gotta hurt somebody or not. And Ted DiBiase, one parting thought. I hope you're resting comfortably. <laughs> and Hayes always entertaining, never a loss for words, so I was unable to edit that little snippet there, that five-minute segment uh, of Mr. Purely Sexy as he breaks down the entire story being told there. Tommy Rich and JYD, yes, they get the win, on Michael Hayes' birthday of all times, uh, but it's Michael Hayes claiming that he tripped, as you said, Jamie, on that apron and accidentally blinded the dog as Hayes was trying to get into the ring. Uh, before JYD returns the action, though, Michael Hayes says, it's Tommy Rich and Wrestling 2 tonight in Chattanooga. Clearly, there's a bunch of people working together to try to get the birds out of Georgia Championship Wrestling, but Hayes says that's never going to happen. Free Bird Fantasia is here to stay. Hayes then sarcastically says he hopes that DiBiase is resting comfortably in that hospital bed. Yeah, Michael Hayes tells it how it is in this thing. If JYD had not gone into the corner because he wasn't the legal man, he wasn't supposed to be in the ring, then when he was up on the apron and he accidentally tripped and fell into the ring and the cream accidentally went into JYD's eyes, it would have never happened. And the Freebirds would have just won the match one, two, three cleanly. Even Stevie Wonder could have seen that was going to happen. Well, unfortunately, at this point, JYD having some eye issues. He will be back very soon. In fact, next week, to be exact. But at this point, Michael Hayes, I love this. And like you said last time on the Regional Wrestling, this isn't the only time they do this, but I love hearing both sides of the story. We even see WWF steal that with the uh, Macho Man and Hogan leading in to the Mega Powers exploding at WrestleMania 5. We see the same video clips, but we get Hogan and Savage's point of view. We see both of their sides of the story. And I love that we can go all the way back here to 1981 and Michael Hayes and Tommy Rich doing the exact same thing here with this angle. Yeah, however... He didn't have lust in his eyes. Didn't have the lust in his eyes. Uh-uh. Oh, damn, that's pretty good, right? I like You're it pretty right dead now. on with uh-huh. Macho Man there. Uh-huh, yeah, a little bit. And if, hey, if we do this podcast long enough, we're going to get some Macho Man in Georgia. little Macho Madness. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Ah. <laughs> but, gonna... but back to Michael Hayes. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is great. I mean, this is the second or third time that they've actually turned it around. and. You know, showed both versions, the, the baby face version and the heel version. It, it, it's a great tactic to use, and it, it gets the crowd all pumped up. Yeah, but you know what? And, and you're right. This isn't the first time they've done it, but I this one really sticks out to me because it's a dastardly evil act, and Michael Hayes is defending it. I And sometimes you kind of shrug that, or maybe you roll your eyes when the heels give you that line of, oh, I tripped, but I love it here. It's just so devious, so dastardly. 
I tripped. You see, you can even see it. And Gordon solely admitting, yes, it does appear as if you tripped. Still doesn't explain why the hell there's cream in his hand to begin with. It was the five o'clock shadow effect. If you say so. It had to be. It had to be. I guess so. We're going to close out this edition of Georgia Championship Wrestling. A couple more matches here. It is the Freebirds back in the ring. Gordy and Roberts scoring another win this time over Zane Hickey and Jimmy Powell. And then to close out this edition, Steve Kern in the ring taking on the Invader. He's back. Uh, some kind of bounty hunter. I don't know bounty hunters that wrestle to take out someone and then they work another match as well and do the job again. Some bounty hunter indeed, Jamie, as uh, Steve Kern scoring the win here over that masked invader. And Kern, he's not even referenced here as the TV champion. It's almost like they're trying to phase it out, at least for now. Yeah, I believe uh, it is done, isn't it? We won't hear about that title again till what, 82, 83? It's going to be a while. It's going to be a while. So uh, it's just like the, just like the junior heavyweight championship, it just faded off. Some of these titles fade in and out as as needed. Unfortunately, I enjoyed that TV title, the Kevin Sullivan, Steve Kern. I think they could have kept using it, but again, it was uh, maybe the the new booking committee here, or, or the situ or whatever the situation may be. Yeah, maybe Watts what just wasn't a big man uh, fan of the TV title. They didn't have one in Mid South until they became UWF. Just about. I mean, you and Roman are covering that right now. Right. So you're right around that time period where they created the thing. So maybe well, the, watch the, the, the actual belt. Of it. Yeah, the, the medallion has been thrown into the Arkansas River. So, yeah, they have just uh, created the belt. But, yeah, the TV title has been around for a couple of years. But I, I get exactly what you mean. And, and you could be right, but it just seems odd that the one wrestling promotion who has national cable TV at this point in time has the television title, which it makes more sense here than anywhere. Because they're the, technically the king of all cable TV. Yeah, and I always like that kind. What was it? The um, the LaBelle promotion used to beat the champ. Right, the beat the champ TV title. T yeah. TV title. Mm -hmm. And uh, why I caught it at the end of the LaBelle stuff, I understand that that led to great ratings and fan interest over the years. Yeah, it, I always enjoyed the TV title. It was like, a you know, they talk about the IC title being the workers title in the WWF. Now, I'm not putting the TV title up at that level. But at the same time, I always found it to be like a, the workers' title as well. It's always something fun on on television. You got to look forward to, and and uh, yeah, it was like you you were guaranteed to have one champion on TV for sure, and that was the TV champion. Yeah, it made it made each show a lot more entertaining. That it did. But the uh, TV episode comes to a conclusion. But there's a bunch of wrestling going on as well on April the fourth outside of TV, and we're going to go over to the Fred Ward end of the territory. In Carrollton, Georgia, at the fairgrounds on April the 4th, going to see Charlie Cook over Bobby Garrett, Mike Davis defeating Ken Timms, it's Ricky Harris over Jimmy Jones, Ted Oates scoring a win over Big Jim Duggan, and then in the main event there in Carrollton, it's both of the Oates boys, Ted and Jerry Oates, scoring a win over Jim Duggan and Bobby Eaton. Meanwhile, Good to see Rick Harris get, I'm sorry, good to see Rick Harris getting a win there. It was, you know, and I noticed that. I was looking at the w guys who scored the wins here. Charlie Cook, who's a little above enhancement talent status anyway, but Mike Davis, Ricky Harris, very competent guys getting wins here on the undercard of this show. And then once again, the Yotes get victories. Even though it's not Columbus, but it's still Fred Ward card. No shocker there. The Yotes boys, uh, I won't say remain undefeated, but they rarely lose in the Fred Ward uh, part of town. You know, I can't remember the name of this promoter here in Carrollton. I think he might even pop up on actual Georgia TV here in the next few weeks. Uh, but he worked alongside Fred Ward some, and his name's drawing a blank for me. But there was a specific promoter for Carrollton. Uh, maybe it'll come to me before this episode's over. 
Uh, so that's what took place on April the 4th in Carrollton. Meanwhile, over All in- All right, I'm going to interrupt you just a second because this yeah. thought just popped in my head. Back to the TV show just a moment. Yeah, let's go. Did you recognize who that referee was for most of his matches? I don't think I paid attention. Uh, I had never seen him before. I didn't know if, if you had happened to catch oh, who it was. Now, now I got to- I got to write down a note here for myself to go back and check that out. I'm, I'm, I wish you would have texted me or something, man. I would have looked it up and tried to figure it out. Hey, I should. We should have talked about that before the show. And actually, when, when, if you're going to go back and check that out, mm-hmm. check out the Freebird match. Is that Tommy Young? Tommy Young. I'm assuming you mean refereeing uh, the Freebird yes, match. Yes, Tommy okay. Young refereeing the Freebird match. Very weird. Uh, it that it I looked wouldn't like have a young Tommy Young. That's you know because I watched the show twice, so it's very weird that I didn't notice any of this that they had a, a different referee out there that maybe Tommy Young was out there. So very, yeah, very they had interesting. Two, also at the honor, Nick Patrick did do at least one of those matches, but the same referee that appears on that Saturday night show we're talking about. And then um, it looks like Tommy Young did the Freebird match. Okay. Just well, interesting. I, they're using a different set of referees. All right. Continue, right? I'm sorry. To well, distract. then, then uh, no, because let's, let's throw some more in there. You talk about that. I mean, could that have been Tommy Young coming? Well, no, because Superstar wasn't on the show. I was going to say, could he have rode with Superstar? But uh, Superstar rode wasn't with the Andersons. Right. Maybe he uh, rode with the Andersons. It's possible. <laughs> well, he drove the Andersons. It's like, more like drove him. Drove the sure, Andersons, but... <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> hey, Tommy, you want a gig on cable TV? Drive me down to Georgia. So, but uh, anywho, guys, we talked about what took place in Carrollton. But also on April the 4th, the wrestlers headed over to Chattanooga, Tennessee as well. And that card going to see Roberto Soto over Rocket Monroe. There was a matchup between Charlie Fulton and Bill Dromo there, finish unknown. It's Steve Kern over the Mighty Yankee, that's Frank Morell. Tommy Rich teaming up with Wrestling 2, they talked about it there on TV, scoring a win over the Freebirds, albeit on a disqualification. And in the main event, National Heavyweight Champion Steve-O defeating the Mongolian Stomper on a countout. As we roll on April the 5th, Columbus, Ohio at the Ohio Center. Well, this explains a lot. Uh, it was just a couple weeks ago here on TV. We saw a VTR of a matchup from Mid-Atlantic, Greg Valentine, scoring a squash win. And I asked why. Well, here it is, Columbus, Ohio. Greg Valentine coming up to to take on Ted Oates here. And it is the hammer getting the win. Also on the card, Mongolian Stomper over Robert Fuller, who was filling in for Ted DiBiase. Tommy Rich teaming with the Junkyard Dog, picking up a win over the Freebirds on a DQ. And in the main event, Dusty Rhodes and Andre the Giant Getting some revenge, scoring a win here over Oli and Gene Anderson. Do you think they made Oli bleed? Remember all the promos we've heard from all these guys leading up to the matchup. Oli even promising, what was it, like $1,000? If they could make that sartorial splendor and all of that, that, that beautiful face bleed. Yeah, exactly. And what's this, like the sixth uh, straight Columbus card it with feels, Dusty and Andre against the it, Andersons? It, I mean, it feels like ever since they've come to Columbus back in 80, they've done this match. It's, it certainly does. Yeah, and I wonder if, um, if like you just said, we saw the Valentine squash a few weeks ago. Now we're seeing him in Columbus. I wonder if this is like a little uh, tryout or precursor to uh, him showing up in a couple months. He doesn't stay long, but he, he does show up for the uh, that tournament that we're eventually going to cover. Right, right. Yeah, I'm not sure if they were just working out a deal with him or what the deal was. But again, these Columbus shows, they really feel standalone. They're not really following a lot of the storylines. They try to stack the, the box with tons of stars. Guys like Andre the Giant are coming in and just working Columbus, not really working any of the other cities. So it's just a really interesting city is Columbus, Ohio. It's its own territory 
in some ways. Yeah, and bringing Robert Fuller, it makes sense because DiBiase and Fuller were teammates, not only in Georgia, in Columbus. Yeah, and obviously he works the stomper who he's been working for years. So Robert Fuller, very familiar with his opponent there. Right. They could have done that match blindfolded. Absolutely. Uh, Also there this week uh, in Georgia Championship Wrestling history, April the 6th, Augusta, Georgia, Bell Auditorium. It's Mike Davis going to a draw with Gypsy Joe. French Angel. That's Frank Morrell once again over Charlie Cook. Mr. Wrestling 2 defeating the Stomper on a DQ. It's Steve-O over Kevin Sullivan and Wildfire Tommy Rich teaming with Tony Atlas to defeat the fabulous Freebirds. Anything stick out to you there? Yeah, well, I guess this is Sullivan beginning his farewell tour. I don't think he has too many dates left after this. And no, He's finishing and, up this week. And much like Michael Hayes said, everybody's starting to gang up against the Freebirds. Here's the old TNT tag team getting back together again to take on the birds. Yeah, Tony and Tommy back in there. So DiBiase's down, the dog's down, but no shortage of partners. Tommy Rich already teaming with Wrestling 2, and now Tony Atlas, everybody gunning for those fabulous Freebirds. Look how stacked the babyface side is right now. Uh, Look at all those main event talents. Tony Atlas, Tommy Rich, Ted DiBiase, JYD. My God, what a a list of talent here. Um, Like in baseball, we're up upon all-star season. And here we go. It's, it's all-star time in Georgia Championship Wrestling. Yeah, and like you said, Kevin Sullivan going to finish up here this week. We'll see if he pops up again. In fact, I know he does. April the 7th, Macon, Georgia at the Coliseum. It's Roberto Soto again. Kevin Sullivan doing the job here this time to Soto. Jim Duggan over Charlie Cook. Bobby Eaton going to a draw with Jerry Oates. Interesting. Steve Kern and Wildfire Tommy Rich defeating the fabulous Freebirds. So now it's Kern. Everybody getting a turn is Tommy Rich's partner. Feels like a Missy Hyatt joke in there somewhere. And Steve-O, <laughs> the, the new national heavyweight champion, defeating the former champion, the Mongolian Stomper, in the main event there in Macon. And it's good to see Doug and, e- and Eaton still hanging around and Charlie Cook. Yeah, None of those know, guys have much time left in no, this run. But you know what? I feel like Eaton and Duggan are here longer than you even realize it because not, they're not on TV as much as they were, but they're getting to work all of the house shows still which is, you know, really good to uh, continue building them up. Right. And that's, you know, that's what's missing today. That's why there's so many injuries in the wrestling product today, because they don't wrestle seven days a week or, or 10 times during the course of the week with the double shots over the weekends. So they don't have a chance to build up their muscle tissue. Well, there's that and those those triple flippy bumps to the concrete floor also. That'll do it every yeah, time. They don't help, but maybe they can pull them <laughs> off if they actually just wrestled every night. And didn't do all that kind of stuff until the big shows. There you go. Makes a lot of sense to me. But they trained the audience for it. Did any time they're going to see a match, you're going to see dives outside and everything. But that, that's today's current product. I'm not going to rag on it. it. It is what it is. Action continues on for the week of April the 4th. We're now on April 8th, however. Columbus, Georgia at the Memorial Auditorium. It's French Angel over Mike Davis. Ted Oates defeating Kevin Sullivan. His last confirmed match, Jamie. Uh, Jerry Oates defeating Gypsy Joe. It's Tommy Rich and Tony Atlas over the fabulous Freebirds. And in the main event, once again, national heavyweight champion Steve-O over the Mongolian Stomper, this time reportedly on a DQ. As we roll on to April the 9th in Jasper, Georgia, at the Pickens County High School. On the card, it's reportedly Steve-O once again over the Stomper and Steve Kern over former partner and longtime rival now, Kevin Sullivan. I don't know that this match took place because I'm seeing conflicting reports. Not that Kevin Sullivan wasn't there, but I couldn't find definitive 
proof that Kevin Sullivan was, was here for this one. But if he was scheduled, it seems likely that he appeared since he appeared the night before in the eighth. And Sullivan, like you said, doing the right thing, doing the job on the way out to pretty much everybody else around the, the horn. And uh, no different here to Steve Kern, apparently, who he just came out of a feud with. Yeah. And that's, you know, back in those days, guys didn't have a problem doing the job on the way out. That was part of the business. Right. And uh, especially if you wanted to come back someday. Yeah. And especially TBS. Even if you're leaving TBS, you know you're being seen by millions of people every weekend. So you want to get back there someday. Absolutely. So I also had a report that there was some type of a, a Georgia show taking place in Rockwood, Tennessee on April the 9th, but I have no results or information for it. So I don't know if anybody out there in Rockwood or near Rockwood knows, Rockwood knows anything about this. Let us know. And uh, we'll report it here on the show. As uh, we continue on, Jamie, another episode of TV now, April the 11th, WTBS Studios, a special 90-minute edition. Must be baseball season. The next Omni card is a looming. It's tomorrow night, in fact, guys, April the 12th. And action moving even faster than usual here on TV this week, as we got to get it all in. We kick things off with Robert Gibson. Yes, the future member of the Rock and Roll Express. It's Robert Gibson has arrived in Georgia scoring a win here over Gypsy Joe before we're off to a VTR promo. It's Rich Landrum in the Mid-Atlantic Territory. He's standing by with Ole and Gene Anderson as they continue to talk about their upcoming match with Mr. Wrestling 2 and the Superstar. And speaking of Wrestling 2, back to the ring. It is Mr. Wrestling 2 picking up a win here, heading into the Omni. This time, Wrestling 2 getting the million-dollar knee lift over Bobby Garrett. And now, before we talk about this next match... I want to be clear, guys, that this match was shown over two portions of this episode of TV. Now, portion one is the majority of the actual matchup before they head into a commercial break. However, portion number two, it isn't shown until much later in the episode. Supposedly, the finish and what happens afterwards took place during the commercial break, and they had to wait to show the remainder of the segment later on in the program. Really, I assume they just wanted to keep people's attention, keep everybody tuned in for a while here. Now, that said, we're not going to chop it up like they did on TV. We're going to talk all about the entire match and the angle all in one segment here, Jamie. And what I'm talking about is the team of Charlie Cook and Steve Kern defeating the national tag team champion, Fabulous Freebirds, Gordy and Roberts. Don't get excited, guys. They score the win on a disqualification. After interference from Michael Hayes, who opens the ropes once again, we saw him do that to DiBiase not too long ago, this time causing Charlie Cook to take a spill out to the floor, and then Hayes' continuing interference, going to draw the disqualification. Well, that's a, the good old trick that Michael Hayes loves to use. Yeah, nowadays we see a lot, the guys pull down the top rope and guys go falling over, but back here, Michael Hayes, and those that Georgia ring on TV was is low, pretty low to the ground where Hayes could just kind of open it up and the guy would, would fall through it. it. Now, how they took that bump, it depended on the guy, but uh, like you said, DiBiase kind of saw it coming a mile away and took the bump anyway. I look to uh, ignore that when, when I watched that angle, but uh, Charlie Cook here, I thought he did a good job, bumped out to the floor, and Hayes just wouldn't stop interfering, causing the DQ here. You know, Hayes isn't about to let his guys lose the titles. This was a title match, right? Yeah, title was on the line. Yeah. Title was on the line. So he has stated many times he'll do whatever it takes. And once again, this is Hayes learning from the cowboy exactly how to piss off the audience, for lack of a better term. 
So the challengers get the win on a blatant interference and disqualification there. But post-match, all three Freebirds going to pitch Charlie Cook back out to the floor. And then Terry Gordy and Buddy Roberts holding Steve Kern up by his arms as Hayes going to open that jar of hair cream, readying to perhaps blind Steve Kern, just like he did the junkyard dog. But right before Hayes can take Kern out, it's JYD with a patch over his eye. Tommy Rich and Tony Atlas out to make the save. And the birds are run off, and JYD gains possession of Michael Hayes' jar of hair removal cream. And as Rick James may have said, ah, the tables have turned, darkness, as JYD now control of the infamous jar. And what will JYD do with the jar? That's the million-dollar question. But thank God that JYD, Tommy Rich, and Tony Atlas came running out because Steve Kern may never have become fabulous. Oh, my God. I didn't even think of that. What would have happened? We'd have never gotten he, he Skinner? I mean, now, JYD did get his eyesight back, but that was a miracle. Who twice. knows if Steve Kern would have gotten his twice now? You're right. Who knows if Steve Kern would ever regain sight and thus would have never met Jackie Fargo and the rest is history. So let me and, get and this like straight. You, like you said, Skinner. I mean. Yeah, no, no Skinner. My God, I don't even know what we're going to do. Who's going to open the shows and the house shows for like all of 1992? Exactly. So I got to ask you this question since you defended him so much on the last episode of TV here. Michael Hayes, he accidentally trips into the ring, accidentally blinding JYD yet again. But here this week looks pretty intentional. He's looking to blind Steve Kern here on TV. How do you explain that? He was actually going to help Steve. Steve is to the point where he's actually starting to ball. So oh. he was just, he was just going to help him with, you know, get that nice smooth look on top. Uh, I thought Maybe you were going to go. That, shine that thing up all nice. <laughs> I thought you were going to go with the old five o'clock shadow deal. Cause Steve Kern, he had one of those too. Yeah, he, he did. But I, I think he was really trying to do him a favor with his hair. So for those interested in that angle, I have a really great quality version of that entire match and the post-match angle. I spliced it all together so you guys don't have to sift through an entire episode of Georgia TV to find both parts of the segment. So the entire match is on there. The post-match activity is on there. Really good stuff. As we head off now, Gordon Soley going to thank Tommy Rich and JYD for making the save of Steve Kern. I can say is that when Michael Hayes charged the ring with this jar uh, against Steve Kern after Charlie Cook had been knocked out, later on if we get a chance, we'll, we'll try and show all of this to you. I'll just try and bring you up to date right now. What happened? Charlie Cook was hurtled out of the ring and uh, was stunned, could not get back. The two Freebirds then got on Steve Kern. Anyhow, uh, the junkyard dog, Tony Atlas and Tommy Rich, charged the ring at what happened to be a very, very propitious time. They got that away from him and uh, cleaned out the situation in a hurry. And gentlemen, uh, all I can say on behalf of everyone here is thank you. Well, you know, uh, seems like Mr. Hayes, Mr. Sissy's what I'm calling. Seems like the only time he's bad when he can sneak up behind somebody or when his two goons is holding somebody down. And then he wants to play for keeps with this. Well, Gordon, we've got it now. We've got Hayes' stuff now. Because you got a film where he blinded the dog in one out. You know, yeah. we're going to put a stop to it. That's exactly it. We're fed up with it. I realize that, that uh, dog, that this may not be the most pleasant situation in the world, but I, I know that you are curious. Uh, to see exactly what did happen uh, at the Omni several weeks ago when uh, this jar suddenly exploded in your face. So if we can, we'll go to the Omni right now and uh, we'll try and uh, uh, relive those moments. 
Well, there's certainly no question about that. And what we saw just a few moments ago uh, certainly gives uh, absolute proof of that. There's that beautiful vertical body block. And here is the point in question. And that's where uh, that's where it happened. That's why I made my mistake at Gordon. We had talked about it. I told uh, uh, Tommy, I said, which one ever get the guy in the predicament with the pendulum, with the and the other man will watch on, and we'll turn my back one time too many. Well, certainly no question about that. And, of course, uh, as we said uh, earlier, of course, the uh, Freebirds have been fined $5,000. Tomorrow night in the Omni, gentlemen, it's your opportunity. Mrs. Hayes, it's my opportunity. Tommy, the dog will be there. All those people probably hanging from the rafters again. Hollering, screaming, falling at the mouth. And you might just see one ball head sister running around here because if I get my chance... Oh, Hayes, it's all over for you. J.Y. Dog. Maybe I just put a little niche back on the back. Mrs. Hayes. You know, Romney, that's where it's all happening. Columbus so high. You know, Gordon, it's come to the point that to us it don't matter. I'd love for it to be right here in Atlanta, Georgia, and Omni that we get a hold to Hayes and the Freebirds. Mr. Sissy, I'm calling. Or Columbus, Ohio. You know, but the main thing is, Hayes, you better be looking over your shoulder when you walk out of this building, when you walk into the building, because just like we said, the Omni, we're going to get you, brother, tomorrow night. And we also now there, Jamie, we heard Dog's perspective of the blinding angle that took place at the Omni as well. As Gordon Soley recaps what happened at the end of that previous matchup, Tommy Ritchie brags about the JYD now in possession of Michael Hayes' jar of mystery cream. As JYD teasing, making Michael Hayes into a bald-headed sissy. Maybe change the name on the jar from JY Dog to Mrs. Hayes. Great interview by JYD. Yeah, dog's eating this up. I mean, he's thriving with this angle. Oh, yeah, and this is thanks to this little run in 81 when we come three years later when he makes that jump to WWF. Those diehard wrestling fans have been watching Georgia since, like, 1979-80 on TBS. They know exactly who, who's coming to the WWF. Yeah, I, I loved uh, JYD upon his arrival there in the World Wrestling Federation, unfortunately, as we know. Lots of things happen, which we won't get into here right now, but it's uh, it's really unfortunate. But yeah, JYD here in the prime here in 1981. Even here, JYD is jacked. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people I, I was, think that he always I had was, the gut. I don't mean the big one from the late 80s, but I mean just even a little one. And there were times where he would fluctuate a little, as uh, many have told the story, Jim Ross specifically, that Cowboy would get on him when he started to get a little out of shape and make him get back into shape. But yeah, there were many a times here in the early 80s where Dog was just absolutely jacked as you said now a little bit earlier when i was reviewing for the show my wife was in the room with me as i'm watching and uh she knew who tony atlas was but then she asked me who is that guy that guy is bill and i said that's the junkyard dog she said no way junkyard dog was a big fat guy <laughs> she wasn't an early 80s wrestling fan she's not a wrestling fan at all right. but that's another story but yeah she she was surprised that how, uh, you know, jacked he was at that uh, time. And he was very entertaining, JYD, during this entire Georgia run. Oh, no doubt. They gave him plenty to do, and he, like I said, he took the ball and ran with it all day long. Uh, show goes on, though. It's Nature Boy Ric Flair again here this week, this time scoring a win over Ed Timms as we head off to yet another Nature Boy promo. And I'm going to try and get uh, Nature Boy Ric Flair over here for a uh, comment or two, if we may. As I said earlier, of course, here's a man who uh, has a tremendous amount of charisma. Uh, he has said many times he likes uh, all of the good things in life. 
He has a very serious side, too, and that side, of course, is keeping himself in the top physical and mental condition at all times. Well, Gordon, last week I came out here fired because I want the people to know that when an inch or more of the town, everybody listens. You understand? It's like E.F. Hutton. That's how big the nature boy is in the sport of pro wrestling. I want Atlanta to know, I want everybody in the country that watches this show to know that Ric Flair is here for one reason, Harley Race. If Race won't come to the Big Daddy, whoo, the Big Daddy will come to Harley Race. Now, Gordon, you know I was born with a golden spoon. My parents are millionaires. I am not a millionaire. One thing left to achieve, the big gold. And brother, I'm going to have it in Atlanta. Flair reiterating that Harley Race wouldn't come to Big Daddy, so Big Daddy coming to the World Heavyweight Champion. Ric Flair admits he was born with a golden spoon, his parents were millionaires, now he is a millionaire as well, and all he needs now is that World Heavyweight title. Woo! You know, much like what we were talking about with Superstar earlier on, it's a shame we don't get a Harley Race rebuttal. Yeah, they don't show. seem to. Yeah, right now, and they were doing a really good job earlier here in '81 of getting all of the VTRs in line from both sides of the feud, no matter where the other guy was, especially Harley Race, who was the world champion. He's touring, obviously, he can't be here all the time. And uh, as you said, as you pointed out, we never really heard from the superstar, and we don't really hear from Harley Race heading into this one either. And you know what? Most of these NWA title matches, except for the the Harley Race Tony Atlas. Um, if you go back to the couple they had before that and mm-hmm. and following this, it's not really the main event of the show. Right. Like, it's still going to be in this Omnicord. It's, it's still going to be the Freebirds are going to be in the main event. Well, the and world with, title with the, is, is the world title. But we have all of these awesome angles going on at the same time. And I think that's why Tony and Harley could main event, because Tony was the Georgia boy at this point. Right. And, and now they're they're reaching out of the box by bringing making you think Flair is going to be there. But why is Flair all of a sudden the number one contender? He hasn't been on Georgia television. They, they probably could have done a better job laying it out. I mean, what's the last time we saw Ric Flair in Georgia? Last July? It's been a while. He certainly hasn't been uh, been here since we started this thing back in the fall of eighty. Right. And, when we and he wasn't broke even, down right, the he wasn't final even quarter. in our in our lead in. So no, it, right. it has to be before that. So they should have done more to it's the, you know the world championship. It should be you got to have a rebuttal here. Bottom line, that's what I'm trying to say. You got to have a rebuttal from Harley Race to to properly frame everything in. You know, I think I get so accustomed to how awful the modern day booking is a lot of the time with no preparation, booking on the fly type deals that little things simply please me. Like uh, for instance, the week before Flair arrived, which was last week, the week before that. Gordon Soli announces next week here on TV, we're going to have the Nature Boy Ric Flair on the program, who and he's obviously announced as the number one contender at that point as well. So I, I like that they at least did that much rather than just going, hey, this guy's Ric Flair. He's back. For those who haven't seen him before, he's the number one contender. So at least they yeah, get true. I remember notice. hearing that. So, I mean, I, I guess I just like, you know, even the little things <laughs> I'll take, uh, you know, because I, I'm the opposite of spoiled with the current product. So I just I'll take anything. But at the same time, I get what you mean. But I just figure, you know, the number one contender or the best thing I can do is just say if they had brought somebody from Japan and named him the number one contender, he could still appear on Georgia TV without actually being in the Georgia territory. 
So, I mean, that's just the way I looked at it anyway. Okay. Me, I like the build-up. Ain't nothing wrong with that. So, hey, everybody likes their own things. I'll take it either way, man. I'm easy. <laughs> easy like Sunday morning, brother. So we're talking about fired up. Fired up, Tommy Rich. Speaking of Tommy Rich, they're in the ring right now. That's the wildfire Tommy Rich and the returning junkyard dog already back in the ring with that eye patch. Going to score a win here over the team of Ken Timms and Marty Wilson. And then from there, we're going to hear from the other side of the feud. I'm talking about Michael P.S. Hayes and his fabulous Freebirds. Nobody knows how to handle that cream except me. That, man, that stuff is purely dangerous. You know what I'm talking about? They had no right to come out. They had, they had no right to stick their nose there. Why? Constantly a $5,000 fast. This, that. Everything's coming down too hard, man. It's coming down too fast. All I can say is you give me 24 hours, and by tomorrow night, I'll come up with something to get you. So Michael Hayes clearly upset there, Jamie, that Tommy Rich and JYD stole his jar of cream. He says, that stuff is purely dangerous, man. Apparently only Michael Hayes knows how to handle that jar of cream, Jamie. But just give him 24 hours, and he'll come up with something to get the fan favorites. Yeah, this is the most desperate we've heard of Hayes to date, I mean, he didn't even get, didn't sound this desperate when uh, Fuller and Big Stan from Philadelphia. Yeah, he just said something like, it's coming down too much, too fast, or something along those lines. So a lot of things coming down on Hayes all at once. And you're right, he's starting to crumble, crack maybe just a little bit here under pressure. Yeah, this is definitely the first time we're hearing Hayes under duress. So last week, we had a couple of conflicting promos from one Don Carson, Jamie. First, Dusty Rhodes challenging him to a bull rope match, and it sounded like Carson wanted no part of it. But later in that same episode, he never really said no. So this week, it is confirmed now, guys. A bull rope match is now confirmed and announced for tomorrow night at the Omni in Atlanta. Dusty Rhodes going to take on Don Carson as we hear from the manager extraordinaire right now. seen you like this before. I sucked your money in, Gordon Tony. Dusty Rose, take a look at a bull rope. That's what you're going to be on the other end of. Wait a minute. I want you to hear what Dusty Rhodes has to say, right? Go ahead. You know, I don't understand see what's going on here is what kind of cowboy is Don Costa? Costa talking about in his, uh, I say, real fancy dining clothes, you understand? Probably drinking whiskey and smoking big cigars. Now then, he's got to get down in the dirt. he got to get down in the arena. Now, he should have been thinking about that, brother, just a long time ago when he hit me with a two before behind the head trying to testify. Because now it come to the front. Strapped to this bull rope, Don Costa. There ain't nothing you can say. Nothing you can do or nothing you can feel when this piece of steel hits your noggin and no way you can get away. And I'm there, the end of Don Carson is coming. Yeah, he's balling. He's balling real good. But when I get Dusty Rose on the end of this one, hey, it's just like it's just like I'm the spider and I've woven the web and he has walked right into it. We'll find out tomorrow night. You got it. So we go to Gordon there for a promo with Don Carson, but what we get instead 
is actually a VTR with the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. Dusty asking, what kind of cowboy is Don Carson anyway? As the Dream says, it's time for revenge. The end of Don Carson is coming in the Omni. Moo! Good job there by Rhodes imitating a cow. Not really, but I had fun with it anyway. Meanwhile, Don Carson says that he, he did it. Jamie, he suckered Dusty right into that bull rope match. Don is the spider, and he's woven the web, and now Dusty's going to walk right into it. A trap is apparently set for the American dream, and I say this tongue-in-cheek, Jamie, but do you think in some little way this was always the plan, or, or Dusty's way of quote-unquote dealing with Don after those promos, talking about that lisp and referring to Dusty as the, the fat boy? Oh, I think so. <laughs> That's okay. But I got a great idea, Don. We go... We're going to go out there. We're going to have a match. We're going to tell the house down, baby. And that blonde hair is going to be crimson red. I can only imagine. No, I don't think there's any footage of that one out there, if I remember off the top of my head, which is unfortunate because I'd love to see that one. You know, I could listen to Dusty Rhodes all day, talk. <laughs> but until we started this project, I really forgot how good Don Carson was. He's another guy. I could probably listen to him talk all day long. No, I, you know, I agree with you because I'd only heard Don in bits and pieces. I'd never ran through Georgia like this before, you know, week after week, certainly not just from his run. And then, you know, I've seen him in Southwest. I've seen him in some of the things down in the Southeastern and, and whatnot. But to listen to this much Don Carson, I, I have a new respect for him, honestly. Now, I, I've done a lot of research on his actual in-ring career. I already respected that that side of Don Carson, but... As a manager, I never really took him, I don't want to say seriously, but I never really took him as good as he is here. I think he's doing a really good job here in his Georgia run. Yeah, and this, as you just mentioned, but him and Stomper go to Southwest after this is over, and they have a nice little run there, too. That they do. Uh, but the show continues on here. More wrestling in the ring. Dick Slater back in town this week. It's Slater over Snake Brown. Also, national heavyweight champion Steve-O here going to get a win over Richard Winters. And the Nature Boy back in the ring again this time. Flair going to score the win over Tim Horner. Probably a fun matchup there as we head back to yet another promo with the Nature Boy. Talks about the fast life, but obviously you must spend a lot of time uh, keeping yourself in the condition that you're in. Well, Gordon, to live the fast life and to have the things you want in life, which provided to me through wrestling, my conditioning, my body, and my mind come ahead of all else. Because if a nature boy doesn't produce there, he's just another name. In this case, for seven years, he has produced it all. He has walked the walk and talked the talk. And that girl over there running the camera, there she is right there, looked at the other girl and said, Woo, he is some kind of fine. And brother, she's not living. There's one thing left, Gordon. You know I wear the finest clothes money can buy, the fanciest jewelry to be seen, drive the longest limousine, fly in the biggest Learjet. One thing left, Harley Race and the NWA Championship. And the Nature Boy whoa, will not be denied. <laughs> so Flair interacting with the fans there, killing a little time here, but it's a Flair promo. Of course, putting himself over as only the Nature Boy can do. And he won't be denied. Tomorrow night at the Omni, we could see a new nwa champion woo that was an incredible interview by flair short and to the point uh, i mean he got it all in and even had a little interaction with the fans which got them going a little bit more so i think he did a fantastic if this was his tryout in front of the uh the georgia crowd i think he's doing a great job and again the, the fans seem to be behind flair right 
Yeah, well, he's got he's that personality. Not, like you said, compare him to their champion, Steve-O, right now. I mean, whew. Hey, where is Steve-O? We haven't seen him yet. He did score a win there. I, I ran through that. Steve-O over uh, Richard oh. Winters. Classic matchup. So, yeah, it was a, it was a, like a Steve-O interview. It was forgettable. I don't know that he's even cuts a promo on this episode. It's not the same without him. <laughs> well, I'll leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna roll on with the show, Jamie. Let's back up real quick. Okay, let's go back. Where are we I, going? I, I'm gonna guess that Dick Slater must have tied a load on and just happened to be there. Went in to visit somebody. And I, was, like, hey, I was gonna say, did he? Hey, want to work a match because he doesn't work the rest of the month. He's just here for the one taping. One TV taping. Yeah, I was gonna say, what do you think? He just kind of maybe accidentally rode down with somebody. Oh, I'm not even booked for Georgia. I didn't know that's where we were going. Passed out in the car. Maybe one somebody was driving down from uh, driving up from Florida or something, and Dicky fell asleep in the car. Woke up, found himself in the TBS lot. I could see that happening. And they said, hey, you want to make ten bucks? Because I'm sure they weren't paying much for TV back then. No. If, if at all. If at all, right. Oh, God bless Dick Slater. One of my guilty pleasures, Jamie. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. No. And, and, you're, and hey, again, back to you and Ray. You and Ray. You and Roman. Yeah. Dick Slater is the main focus right now in your Mid-South UWF yeah, it's, coverage. It's, a, it's been a lot of fun. Unfortunately, this time's coming to an end. Crockett Cup right around the corner. Slater's final match before he heads off to be the rebel up in New York. I never realized how much Bill Watts had it in for him during that. You're telling me. Run at the end. I wow. didn't either until I really went into it like, holy cow. Maybe maybe that's how he got on here. Uh, Bill Watts remembered that Slater showed up <laughs> drunk for the TV taping, so he decided not to use him for the Omni, and then years later gave him a job just so he could punish him. There you go. I'll teach that son of a bitch. <laughs> Five years later, but he finally got him. God bless fantasy booking. That would have been. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Show goes on. Remember, just a 90 minute edition, but they're really cramming a lot in here. It's Roberto Soto going to a TV draw with the French Angel, a.k.a. Frank Morrell. Have you ever heard the reasoning for Morrell popping up here? Just he's so I hate to use this term. I'm I'm probably going to get some bad feedback for it, but very over the hill by this point, if he ever had a hill in the begin with. But Frank Morrell, I mean, a Memphis mainstay. But he would come down here and do these little tours of Georgia from time to time. Yeah, and um, you know, I guess it was just a little change to throw a little money Frank's way. He was actually I met him, oh, I would say nineteen ninety on one of my Memphis tours with Dennis Carluzzo. Mm-hmm. Just a real nice gentleman. He was refereeing at that point, right? But I, I had a chance to talk to him a couple times, and he, he was just very nice, down to earth. Uh, another guy that when I got talking to him. I, he asked what I did for a living. I told him I was a mailman, and he had relatives in the post office and wanted to know more about my job than he wanted to talk about, you know, wrestling in general. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah real nice man. Glad I stopped to talk a little bit about Frank Morrell here. Thanks for sharing, Jamie. Yeah, and Frank's going to get a nice little run here, too. He's going to be here for about six months. Yeah. Stepping away from the Memphis area, but he's working a lot of Chattanooga, so he's still heading up to Tennessee uh, just about every week here. Uh, but the show going to continue on. Last week, we saw him in a hospital bed. You'll be happy to know now he's comfortably at home. Well, I don't know how comfortable he really is, but I'm talking about Ted DiBiase as we're off to a VTR. It's a promo from DiBiase. Well, I guess you can call it at home with Ted DiBiase. He's sitting by with Steve Kern and Tommy Rich. Uh, Tommy and myself are both been through injuries and 
you know, it's hard to recover. And all wrestlers think when they go into the ring, you know, that there's always that possibility they're going to get hurt. And I know that people writing you cards and things, you know, tries to help you pick your spirits up. But it's tough to get the injury off your mind and get the idea that you got to get back. But, you know, they always told me whenever I got hurt or whenever anything happened to me, to always keep my chest out and my chin up because if there's always could be something worse. I know Tommy goes along with that and he probably got some comments that, you know, you just got to keep fighting and keep driving. You know, and, and it's like you, you having to sit up, you sit up here at the house and, you know, I know it's miserable because you're used to being on the road six, seven days a week and being all closed up in the house and uh, but there's a lot of people out there that care about you and, and the real concerns. As a matter of fact, you and your girlfriend sent you, <laughs> sent you a few cards here. Well, I want to tell you guys that uh, I really appreciate the support that, that, that both of you and, and, and all of the people given me since this has happened and, and Steve like you said a minute ago I think one of the most frustrating things to me right now is that I'm at a point now where I, I just don't know how long that this is going to last uh, the, the, the headaches are starting to go away to where the, the, the concussion is not as bad but the, the, the neck injury and the pain that I'm, I'm having in my neck is still very severe, severe and it's, it's like I'm just, uh, I'm so idle, you know, it's a lot like you said, Tommy, I'm used to being active and I'm used to being on the go all the time. And I can remember saying, you know, hey, wouldn't it be great if I could have a week or two weeks off, you know, well, I've got all this time now to do nothing but to sit around and, and, and think and, and, and I've been so idle. And, and the hard thing is not knowing when I'm going to be able to get back to doing what I do best and, and, and what my whole life is, and, and that's wrestling. And, and uh, it's just a, a very frustrating thing. I mean, uh, I'm not even able to, to, to get out of the house right now and, 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 and go do simple things like to the grocery store and stuff like that. But I would like to say that I, I really appreciate you guys coming by and, and lifting my spirits. And once again, to all the wrestling fans that have sent me cards and letters and that have called in to Georgia Championship Wrestling uh, and that have shown their concern for me, that, that I really do appreciate it and that I hope that, that in the near future I'll be able to be back on my feet and back in the ring. And thank you guys once again for coming by and seeing me. I really do appreciate it. Hey, don't worry about it. Just remember those guys. So DiBiase says the headaches are going away from that major concussion but the neck injury is still very severe. He has no idea when he'll return to the ring. But as you know, Jamie, that's going to change pretty abruptly. Oh, yeah. And again, the Bill Watson puppet master at work here. Last week in the hospital, DiBiase can barely talk. Now you hear him pumped up. You know, he's not back to normal, but he's got a little more pep in his voice. I'd say a lot more pep in his voice. You can actually understand yeah, but him. <laughs> the, the real question is, I want to know what was on the television in the background, because that sure sounded like Boyd Pierce. <laughs> I was going to say, somebody needs to tell DiBiase to turn the sound down on his TV when he's cutting a promo at home. But it made it very realistic that he was, you know, sitting there watching television and Kern, Rich, and the TV crew come busting in on him. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was good times. I thought it was fun. We know DiBiase now out of the hospital, so he is progressing, as you said, not just talking to the fans, but we, we see that he's no longer in the hospital, which is always a positive sign. He's at home now rehabbing, and it's going to get better and better uh, in the next couple of weeks, no doubt. 
Yeah, I forgot to look it up. Did you, you happen to look up whether he uh, did a tour of Japan at this time? He did not. He did not. Okay. No, that's Maybe yeah. just... I did look. I'm glad you brought that up. I did not put it in my notes, but when I edited our last episode, when we were talking about it, immediately, that's why I love editing the shows myself, I catch things and go, yeah, that's what I wanted to look up. And I looked it up and nope, he just kind of disappeared. Doesn't do anything for a couple of weeks here. Two, three. He's <laughs> actually out a lot less than it looks like when you start breaking down the day when he left the t- uh, the ring and when he returns. He's not out as long as it's, it feels. Right. Okay. Yeah, maybe he went and got married in real life at this point because he said he's got cards from his girlfriend. Wow. Do you know what? It was 81 where he got married and Dog was the best man at his wedding and all of that. That could have been it. Oh, I wonder if he had a pirate wedding because JYD was wearing the patch <laughs> at the time. Surely, I guess. Uh, but maybe, uh, yeah, maybe DiBiase got married at this point. This is where I would have made a Carrie Von Eric peg leg joke had this been later on in the 80s, but I digress. <laughs> Poor Carrie. I'm sorry, guys. I had to do it. Anywho, show goes on. We've got one more match, I do believe, here. It's Wildfire Tommy Rich teaming with the Junkyard Dog, scoring a win over Bobby Eaton and Marty Wilson. And then we pick up closing comments from JYD and Tommy Rich about their upcoming matchup. Yet another match taking on the fabulous Freebirds tomorrow night in the Omni. The match was going along. The fact of the matter is it certainly looked like things were going extremely well for Steve and for Charlie. Uh, we had to cut away to a commercial break. Now, as we did that, uh, a sudden series of events took place. Well, luckily, of course, as we always do, we always have a standby camera so that in the event anything should happen, as it did today, uh, we'll be able to bring it to you in its entirety. So we're going to pick up uh, that match just as we had broken away for the commercial, and uh, you'll see what happened uh, while you were enjoying a commercial message at that particular point in time. It is uh, Charlie Cook and uh, Steve Kern both exploding. Steve Kern and Charlie Cook exploding on the Freebirds, and they've got the Freebirds in a lot of trouble here. Michael Hayes, ah, ah, Charlie Cook. Michael Hayes separated those ropes. Charlie Cook out onto the concrete, and Steve Kern, it catches, he caught Michael Hayes. Steve Kern catches Michael Hayes, and now Terry Gordy and uh, Buddy Roberts both on top of uh, Steve Kern. You've got two on one. Wait a minute. Michael Hayes after that cream, and he's after uh, Steve Kern. He's got that jar of cream or whatever it is. And we've got uh, the two of them holding Steve Kern. Buddy Roberts trying to get uh, to that now. And wait a second. Wait a second. The junkyard dog, Tommy Rich, and uh, Tony Atlas, Mr. Hercules in there. And uh, they... Tony Atlas, the Junkyard Dog, and Tommy Rich. And they've cleared the ring. They've cleared the ring, but they also, they also got the, uh, the Junkyard Dog, got the, uh, he got the jar. All right, a disqualification. Well, I was totally mystified by that entire situation, as you could tell by the way I was describing it. So I see right now that Miss, Mrs. Hayes, she liked to dig into her pants and get a little jar, but a jar, I got the jar now. And tomorrow night nominee, when all, like I told you, when those people get their hand from the raptors, hollering and screaming, foaming at their mouth, you might just see yourself a bald-headed sissy running around here. Tommy, you know I can't wait to sissy. Can you picture Hayes with no hair, Hayes? Think about it tomorrow night at Tommy, brother. 
So the dog says that Mrs. Hayes, she likes to dig in her pants and pull out that little jar. But dog has that jar now, Jamie. As Tommy Rich says, think about a bald Michael Hayes. It could happen tomorrow night at the Omni. I mean, that's a way to sell extra tickets because but now we're six months into it and we got a chance to have Michael Hayes become a steal Jimmy Value term, a ball-headed geek along with the rest of that card, the people should be flooding to the Omni. Remember, it was Michael Hayes last time heading into the Omni that said, it could happen. The dog could be blinded again. And he was. And now, last minute, Tommy Rich and JYD teasing, we could see a bald Michael Hayes. Can you imagine how many extra tickets that possibly sold? Looking, I mean, presuming it wasn't already sold out. Right. I mean, looking in retrospect, if they had decided maybe to run Fulton County Stadium, during that summer and put the Freebirds hair or at least Hayes' hair on the line against Tommy Rich in a main event, they could have probably done very well. Very well is an understatement. I mean, I'd have to really see where we peak with all of this, but I agree with you. I mean, it would have been something else if they could have done one-on-one Rich and uh, Michael Hayes for sure. I mean, Especially in, in, in that hair type situation, as you mentioned. I mean, they would have had to change their booking when you get up into to May and June. Let's just say they were going to do a Fourth of July show. Uh, they'd have to slightly change how they book things out, right? But it, it would have it would have been money if they had decided to go that route. And I wonder if it actually ever came up and he said, "No, no, 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 I'm not playing that game." <laughs> he wouldn't do it that in would the be Superdome. You think you think you think Watts would have done that in the Superdome, if anything? So if you wouldn't do it for the Superdome, I don't know. Yeah, I, I hear you. I mean, it would have killed his whole, I guess in retrospect, it would have killed his whole gimmick. How long would it have taken him to grow that hair back? Well, look at at it this way. Michael Hayes did not cut that hair until he had to, basically, to in order to get a job with the WWF. Right, so. But by then he was a broken man. I mean, he he had to shave his beard and (laughs) and call himself Doc Hendricks and, well, that's a doc, you know, and all that nonsense, so. Well, hey, if they had just behaved themselves in 84 when they got, went to the yeah. WF, I mean, it might have been Gordy Hogan at WrestleMania 1. You ain't kidding. That would have been Or at fun. least the, the, the Freebirds against Hogan and Mr. T. Yeah, would have been a hell of a main event for sure. But we got Roddy Piper, so I can't complain. Yeah, I can't complain about either one. So we heard from Tommy Rich and JYD, last-minute thoughts there heading into the Omni. Might as well hear from the other side one more time. Gordon Sully standing by with the fabulous Freebirds, which no doubt includes Michael Hayes. They not look good right now, but keep one thing in mind. Before tomorrow comes, you got to get through tonight in Chattanooga. And I can make up some more cream. Granted, they'll have the they'll have the original, which is the worst. But I can make up some more. And while your eyes are watching them, don't forget that my eyes will be upon you. Well, we've heard the comments from a very, very frustrated Michael Hayes, a man who uh, I have never seen him uh, uh, drifting so closely to the edge of that uh, precipice, and uh, where do you find these idiots? That's what I want to know. I don't you care to talk. Cages or I what? don't care to talk to you at all anymore, Mr. Hayes. All I care to do right now is just to remind you once again that, of course, next week. So before tomorrow comes, the baby faces—they still got to make it through tonight in Chattanooga. As the dog and Tommy Rich, they may have the original, more potent hair cream. I had to laugh, but Michael Hayes stating that. He can make more. He can always make more, Jamie. 
And while JYD and Tommy Rich are focused on Gordy and Roberts in the ring, Michael Hayes will have his eyes on Rich and the dog at ringside. And then Gordon Sully shooing Hayes away as it all goes down in 24 hours' time. Yeah, I always liked when they would say stuff like that, uh, you know, tomorrow night the Omni, but you got to survive tonight first. I always enjoyed that type of interview. And how's Hayes going to make more? Does he have Paul Orndorff on speed dial or something? Well, I'm sure he's he's went to a lab somewhere. Hey, you're the one who always makes up the excuses for Hayes, and you didn't come up with the fact that everyone knows that Michael Hayes, he went to a lab, and he had it dissected to figure out all the components and ingredients that are inside that hair removal cream, and uh, he's uh, learned how to make it himself. Now, granted, it won't be as potent as the original, because he can't find all of the ingredients, Jamie, but it, clearly he'll find just enough to get the job done. See, I finally wore you down, Ray. You're thinking my way now. Logic. <laughs> I'm complete. Yes. Sadly, that came you know right off the top of my head. That's just too many years of, of watching wrestling, I suppose. And and hanging with me for the last couple of months. That too. I'm, I'm, we I'm wearing you down, Ray. I'm wearing you down. I'll I'll gladly share the blame with you, Jamie. Sounds good. So tomorrow night, guys, at the Omni, April the twelfth. Just some of the matches on the bill. Going to see Georgia heavyweight champion Tony Atlas defend against the Mongolian stomper, Mr. Wrestling 2, and his former rival, the Superstar, taking on the team of Ole and Gene Anderson. Special challenge rematch, Tommy Wildfire Rich and JYD up against the fabulous Freebirds. And, of course, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, taking on Don Carson in a Texas bull rope match. Moo! <laughs> But remember what Michael Hayes said. Well, wait a minute, that, ex that explains the polka dots in seven, eight years. Oh, man. It, it could. Polka dotted cow, baby. I get it now. I see it. He did sometimes. I mean, most of the time he wore the yellow polka dots, but we did see Dusty in the white polka dots every now and then. Now, remember what Michael Hayes said during that promo we just heard. Before we get to the Omni, they got to make it through Chattanooga tonight. Well, actually, Georgia in two different cities here. On April the 11th, couple of troops out here on the 11th for arena action. First from the Fred Ward section of the Georgia Territory, coming from the Columbus TV. It was Steve Kern over the Mighty Yankee, Charlie Cook defeating Rocket Monroe, Bobby Garrett over Steve Winters, and in the main event, Ted and Jerry Oates scoring a win over Big Jim Duggan and Bobby Eaton. A fun little team. We've seen them team up a couple times here now, Bobby Eaton and Jim Duggan. Talk about a contrast, but maybe it works a little. Hey. And they're both early in their careers, even though Eaton had already been through, um, uh, what, what's his name? George Goulas? Goulas. Team, teaming you know, with George? Yeah, teaming with George. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's, this is probably Bobby's first big push. I mean, they gave him the national title, TV title at one point. Can you imagine that being your very first gig? You got you got to carry George Goulas? Like, that's how you break <laughs> into the business? I haven't seen very much of it, but... I mean, much of George, but what I have seen, God bless Bobby Eaton. The jet set. Absolutely. So that's what took place over there in Carrollton, but also on the 11th in Chattanooga. Remember the birds. Michael Hayes was talking about this show. It was Roberto Soto over the French Angel, Robert Gibson over Gypsy Joe, Mike Davis defeating Ken Timms, Tommy Wildfire Rich again teaming with Wrestling 2. They score a win over the fabulous Freebirds. I assume the... Title's not on the line there. And then in the main event, national heavyweight champion Steve-O scoring a win over the former champ, Mongolian Stomper. I think last week 
It was on a disqualification this week. It looks like Steve-O going to score the 1-2-3 yet again over the Stomper. Yeah, maybe the airplane spin again. But, hey, once again, Mike Davis comes out with a win. Robert Gibson gets a, another win. So, so a, lot of, a lot of younger guys getting some ex- good experience. And Davis is about six, seven months into a run in Georgia now. So a lot of people would just overlook this, or maybe even if they noticed this, they would just continue on. But I've got that Al Getz mindset sometimes, Jamie, and it just doesn't sit right with me. And I'm looking here in Carrollton, the mighty Yankee in action. Meanwhile, over in Chattanooga on the same day, it's the French Angel. Now, Frank morell has been doing both of these gimmicks, but clearly the French Angel is Morell. But up here, the mighty Yankee may be somebody else under a hood this time in Carrollton. I think you're probably right. Maybe they don't get Tim's out for it. Could have been. That would make sense. Uh, but as promised, guys, we talked about it. They made it through Chattanooga, which means it's time for April the 12th as we're back to the Omni in Atlanta, Georgia. Going to finish out regional wrestling this week the right way. Going to look at another Omni card here, Jamie. And if you're ready, we're going to get to the matches. Yeah, bring it on. So here we go in the opener. Steve Kern scoring a win over the French Angel, a.k.a. Frank Morell. Also, Roberto Soto over Gypsy Joe. It's Robert Gibson downing Jim Duggan. That could have been a fun match to see. Also, National Heavyweight Champion Steve-O over Bobby Eaton. And Bobby is quietly really getting to own his craft here in Georgia. Yeah, and you're, it's actually a little surprising to see Bobby Eaton get a national title shot. But now that Steve-O has won the belt, and I'll say this is up until the time he leaves, it's, it has definitely become the secondary title again. And in, this, and in this instance, it's the fifth match from the main event or the fourth match prior to the main event. Uh, the fourth match on the card, Steve-O over Bobby Eaton of all challengers here. I'm not saying the match would have been bad. It's just Bobby hasn't really been on TV, and when he has, he really hasn't been picking up too many wins other than that couple weeks with the TV title run back in the end of January. But uh, by this point, Bobby really hasn't been doing much of anything but working the champ here. But I'm sure the matchup was fine. Just kind of odd to see Steve-O placed here because, as we know, the Stomper, or even if Dusty had won the belt, they would be a lot further down the card in this title defense. Obviously, this was just a makeshift one they probably just threw together that day because this wasn't advertised on the show ahead of time. And, you know, I ran through his name on TV, and now I did it here again at the house show, and I really wanted to get your opinion on it. What do you make of Robert Gibson coming to the territory? Because this is something that I guess I had overlooked in the past. I hadn't realized that Robert Gibson got this little singles run here. Uh, quickly here in Georgia. Again, the, the training uh, purposes, I would believe. Well, it'll work out for uh, Gibson's. I mean, he's still very young here. Yes. At, at this point. So I, I don't believe he's been in the business that long. Well, so he's been teaming up with his brother for a while. Uh, Ricky and okay. Ruben Gibson initially before he was Robert Gibson. Good, good call in the name change, by the way, Robert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you, you separate him from his brother and let him go to Georgia and learn how to work a little bit. And like you said, he was the younger of the two. I'm not really sure when Ricky Gibson's car accident happens because he's never back full-time after that. Other, other than, well, really later on in his career, he comes back to work pretty much full-time there for Watts in 86 and then even gets a little run there with Crockett afterwards, which I'm assuming was a favor of some sort for Robert or, or something along those lines. But, uh, yeah, it's just kind of odd. The team splits, and obviously Robert's going to go on to team with Ricky Morton, another Ricky. But, uh, yeah, it's it's just it's struck me. I don't want to say it's odd. It just struck me. It caught me off guard. I didn't realize Robert Gibson got this little run here. So it's kind of fun. Yeah. It's probably just like having Doug in there and having Bobby Eaton there. Just experience. 
You know who else has a nice run here? Even though he's not winning any matches, Gypsy Joe's been around four or five months at this point, popping up in all those house house show results. He's also been around 80, 90 years at this point, I I believe, as well, on on the face of the earth, perhaps. And so it's a payday for Gypsy Joe. Hey, whatever works. (laughs) Yeah, but you're right. Gypsy Gypsy Joe, you know, I can't remember when he started popping up on the uh, results, but he has been here for a bit. And, uh, it's fun to have somebody like that on the undercard who certainly knows uh, what they need to do in the ring, whether whether they always do it correctly or not is another story. But, yeah, very cool to see Gypsy Joe here. But Jim Duggan, Robert Gibson, that just sounds like a fun match. That could have been fun. A little cry- contrast of styles, yes, but I-, I think I would have liked it. It's just as much seeing Duggan team with Bob Eaton. It's just fun seeing all of these guys before they were stars, you know, mixing it up. Yeah, and then you have Duggan here who, you know, was an enhancement town for – for WWF. Right. He come he comes here. They actually build him up a little bit, give him a nice little push. Now he's learning how to handle sliding back down the ladder again. So it's a great learning experience for most of these guys. So you talked about Steve O working as the secondary champion, uh, if you will, here in Georgia. But look at this. Now, Steve O defends the title here against Bobby Eaton. But the following match is the Georgia heavyweight champion. So Atlas further down the card then Steve or up the card, depending on how you want to look at it. As uh, it's Georgia heavyweight champion, Tony Atlas going to a no contest here with the former national champion, the Mongolian Stomper. So Atlas still can't seem to get that win over the Stomper, but at least uh, another fun matchup on the card for sure. I wonder if Carson gets involved in this or if Stomper is Carsonless. I was, you know, when it, you started saying not. that, I was going to say, I was, wondering, I was wondering if Carson was even at ringside for this. Good call. Yeah, I mean, I, I wish, again, Somebody has to have all these films from the Omni back in the day. Well, they Unless say they just that none of them the existed. same reel over well, and over again. That's the thing. They used to say that none of that existed. They never really kept any of it. Uh, Oli, or not Oli, but the Georgia Territory itself constantly recorded over the same tapes in order to save money. But we've learned in recent years that to be not completely true because the WWE Network, prior to the Peacock, actually put out a few Omni cards from beginning to end, one of them being the last battle of Atlanta. How lucky were we? But uh, but there was at least another, at least one, if not two other Omni cards put out there as well. Even some like pre-match stuff outside, kind of just walking around. Oli Anderson, who was a wrestler at the time, interviewing fans. Hey, who did you come here tonight to see? I don't really know what that was all about, but pretty cool. And so we know some of it exists, and I have to think if those three exist, they just happen to have the last battle of Atlanta. There's got to be dozens of other Omni shows sitting there on reel somewhere. They used film for the older Omni shows, right. but those ones that they put on WWE Network, what's, were what's the word? Yeah, they tape. were on tape instead of film. Yeah, most of the territories did move over to tape near the end of 81. So, But it, it would be great if the, all those films existed. Even without commentary, I I know Cornette rescued rescued a bunch of uh, Mid Atlantic stuff. He sure did. That they were just throwing out from Crockett's office. It, it would be great if all this stuff sitting in somebody's garage or a barn in Southern Georgia somewhere. Yeah, as long as it survived the humidity, we're, we should be good. Now they probably put it in a refrigerator. Think positive. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> Kept it in a cooler, man. So. <laughs> So we talked about this one earlier. You kind of hypothesized maybe it is, maybe it isn't the real superstar. But 
I like to pretend in my mind, Jamie, that it was indeed Bill Eady here teaming with Mr. Wrestling 2. Everywhere I found online, I couldn't find footage of this anywhere, which is really unfortunate because I really wanted to see this. But it's reportedly that Wrestling 2 and the Masked Superstar battled to a draw or maybe even a no contest with the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, Ole and Gene Anderson. So take me through this from your perspective. Let's pretend it was indeed the superstar here. You talked about Superstar and Paul Jones being the World Tag Team Champions up in Crockett. Of course, they lose those belts eventually to the Andersons. So it kind of all ties in for at least the Mid-Atlantic fans anyway. Doesn't make as much sense to the Georgia Territory fans, I know. But just uh, picture this matchup actually happening. Take me through your mind of how entertaining this would have been for you. Oh, I would have been popping big time, especially if I was sitting there in the Omni, and now I get a chance to cheer the guy who I hate in the Mass Superstar, even though mm-hmm. he doesn't get a uh, purposeful turn here. Right. Just the fact that he's now on my side and I can cheer for him. Yeah, unfortunately, it's a one-off. We don't get, like you said, we didn't get any VTRs leading in. We don't get to see a recap of the match on TV. I mean, they were pro, they were highlight heavy on this last Omni card, but this particular Omni show, we don't get a lot, if any, of the footage, at least of what's out there for the upcoming TV episodes anyway. So it's unfortunate. I don't really know a whole lot about this, but I can imagine these four guys getting in there and just, laying into one another and it, it was probably a great time yeah most likely this is either a double count out or a double qualification because you could just see all four guys working stiff yeah laying it in for sure it had to be a fun time but the show goes on more tag team action a special challenge rematch here gonna see once again wildfire tommy rich and the junkyard dog again scoring a win over the fabulous freebirds terry gordy and buddy roberts once again non-title action so the baby faces go over, the heels will retain the titles, and I don't have a lot of information on this match, Jamie. I don't know if you found anything else out that I don't have here, which I don't have a whole lot as far as notes go for this one. I'm not really necessarily looking for the finish, but maybe was there interaction with Michael well, Hayes, the, the jar of hair cream. Did you pick up anything else that might have happened here at this Omni show? No, but the only important thing is Michael Hayes walked away with that beautiful blonde mane of his. Well, that's, that's one thing we do know. That's one thing we do know. Michael Hayes uh, keeps his hair intact, uh, as we'll see in the next episode of TV when we get Un- there. Unlike Michael Hayes, JYD and Tommy Rich don't keep their word. That's true. Yeah, it's unfortunate that, that it's the heel that you have to believe in here, but it is what it is. Uh, as we close out this um, Omnicard, I apologize, oh, and, guys. And if, if, you, if you think I'm obnoxious to Michael Hayes now, we're only about, what, three months away from me being really obnoxious oh, no. with Michael Hayes. Oh, I would have figured you would have took it down a notch, but okay. Oh, no. Babyface <laughs> Michael Hayes is even better. <laughs> K-Fave. I forgot K-Fave. K-Fave, brother. K-Fave. <laughs> so I apologize, guys. I, I don't know why. I guess because I did research for the entire month, and I already know the rest of the month. I have it all written down. I already actually have the entire uh, episode, next episode that we do, Jamie, already written down and ready to roll. So uh, I jumped the gun and I said that those Ric Flair promos were promoting that NWA world title match with Harley Race for this Omni show here on April the 12th. But apparently that's for the next card later here in the month of April. So I do apologize, guys. That match, Flair and Race, does not take place at this Omni show, but rather the upcoming one, which we'll cover on the next episode of Regional Rassum. But what does happen here? You know what? They sucked me in because I thought it was on this show, too. Yeah, same here. So I got a little confused. I do apologize. We don't normally do that too often here on Regional Wrestling, but it happens. And again, 
when you're looking ahead, that's why I hate getting too far ahead, but I, I like to be ahead as far as I can. It saves me a little time, you know, as we continue on. But uh, sometimes when I do that, I kind of get things a little mixed up sometimes like that. So I do apologize. Anybody looking forward to hearing us talk about race and flair here this week, that's not going to go down until the next episode of Regional Wrestling. But what we do have in its place, Jamie, it's just as good. No doubt about it. The American Dream Dusty Rhodes taking on Don Carson in a Texas bull rope match. It's going to see the American Dream go over here on Don Carson to nobody's surprise. But what did surprise me was they talked about, or at least Carson talked about, a big surprise for the American Dream. And he's going to walk into uh, the spider web, if you will. Unfortunately, it looks like Dusty just goes over here, although we do know uh, bigger things coming very soon uh, involving the American Dream. Dusty Rhodes. That's because he is Dusty Rhodes. But I, you got to guess Carson had to come in wearing like a white tuxedo or something. Something to make that red really the stand crimson out. flow. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. It's a, some, something along those lines. You'd have to think. I mean, he's no fool. He's done this before. Carson's been known oh, yeah. to uh, uh, bleed from time to time for sure. And you know, Dusty laid some potatoes in on him <laughs> during this match. Will you say about my lift, baby? Will you call me a fat fly, baby? That's right. Nobody messes with Dusty Rhodes. Ask (laughs) Ted DiBiase. And this is for that two-by-four shot. But I barely laid it in, Dust. It don't matter. You call me a fat boy. So, yeah, I can can see that. But, yeah, so that's it, guys, for the Omni. Just a pretty simple show. Uh, I don't want to call it a throwaway show. Lots of great matches there, but... In the grand scheme of things, nothing gigantic uh, transpires on this particular Omni card. It was kind of like the, uh, it's just uh, just another Omni card, really, with a lot of great action. Tony Atlas, a Mongolian stomper, no contest. Steve-O retains the title over Bobby Eaton. We got to see Robert Gibson and Duggan on the undercard. Wrestling 2 and maybe the Superstar. God, you ruined that for me, Jamie. Taking on the Andersons. <laughs> no finish there again. It's Rich and Dog once again over the birds, but they can't seem to win the titles. And then in the main event, or if you want to call it that anyway, Dusty Rhodes, no doubt, I'm sure he had uh, that crimson blood flowing like wine off of the forehead of Don Carson before that bull rope match was over with. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'll bet Carson, to give everyone an idea of what he probably looked like after that match, that famous Bobby Heenan magazine, was it the Wrestler magazine? Yeah, I would like to say I know which one you're referring to, but I think Bobby's on like a dozen different covers there's a dozen different it's, times. It's just his face. Oh, the face one. Yeah, I know which one you're talking about. Oh, yeah, the Bobby. It's just his yeah. face. And, and I mean, it is. It, it looks like it's three inches. Uh, the blood's three inches thick <laughs> on his face. Yeah. And of. I can see Carson, you know, pulling the same kind of blade job here. Oh, he would do that for Dusty. I'm sure he got paid pretty good for the for the matchup, too. He's working roads. And uh, I mean, obviously, he knows what he's doing in there. So I'm sure it was a fun little match. And again, yeah, but Carson was- had been a worker. So he knew how to get in the ring and do a few things. I'm not saying they had a wrestling match. I'm just saying he knew how to sell. He knew how to bump. And he knew, you know, psychology. Yeah, he probably had the early advantage. Probably attacks Dusty before the bell. Gets to work Dusty over a little bit. I imagine Dusty even bled in this match. Maybe the arm digging the cowbell into the, yeah, uh, get the, arm, the, the arm a little bit. And, and then Dusty just makes that comeback and good night, Irene. Get that left arm flowing, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's going to wrap it up here this week, guys. Jamie, I'm so glad you got a hold of me. We were able to get another one in another couple weeks of 1981 Georgia out of the way. Another Omni card in the books, but another one not too far away, including, and I promise you guys, NWA World Champion Harley Race taking on the Nature Boy Ric Flair. 
Yeah, I say right. I'm sorry, right with you. That totally got by me. I just totally assumed it was the uh, the card on the twelfth. Yeah, no, it's going to be the next one, and I can't remember the date on it right now off the top of my head, but I believe it's the right around 26. the end of Okay, the 26th. So I, I thought it was like two weeks away, so that makes sense. And uh, yeah, we're, when we come back next time, guys, we're going to cover another two weeks of TV, hopefully, as well as that Omni card as well. We're going to look into everything going on. Dusty Rhodes is going to stick around. The Fabulous Freebirds ain't going nowhere, Jamie. And uh, just so many great uh, talents returning to the territory including perhaps Ted DiBiase. Yeah, and the next couple of months is going to be a who's who. Literally a who's who in yeah, wrestling. Yeah, you ain't lying. It's going to come through, through Atlanta. And best of all, we're going to get to see more Robert Gibson. <laughs> Rock and roll, baby. Uh, you didn't see it, Jamie, but I did a little sign language there for his mom. <laughs> so uh, that's going to wrap it up over here this week. Jamie, if you got anything you want to say to close out the show, anything you want to ask me or, or talk to the people out there or anything you want to say in general, please do. Yeah, I mean, if anybody that's out there listening, if you hear anything that Ray and I uh, may be making a misquote about something or you don't like our opinion or you love our opinion, m- message one of us. We're always open to constructive criticism or praise either way. I'll take the praise um, and the criticism. And, or, if, or if you have any <laughs> questions uh, about Georgia back at that time, maybe something that we didn't cover. Or maybe more than happy to answer it for you. Anything we did cover that maybe I glanced over because I didn't really find it to be, you know, a a big deal because we have so much we have to cover here. We got to run through certain things. Like, unfortunately, I hate to run through guys like Roberto Soto. I'd love to sit here and talk about his career a little bit, but we'd be here for hours if we started doing that for everyone. And so I just kind of run through some guys that aren't really getting a push right now, like Soto and the like. So if you guys have any questions about things like that, let us know. Me and Jamie are here to talk about whatever you guys want to hear uh, on these shows. That's what it's all about. We're not just giving away information. We're trying to have some fun while doing it. And, uh, you know, if, like I said, or like you said, Jamie, if they want to know anything, they have anything that they want to let us, you know, touch on, we would be happy to do so. If we're inaccurate about anything of some of these results, if you guys were at one of these shows and, and the match and the results I'm giving here aren't necessarily 100% accurate. Let me know. These are the, you know, I did a lot of research on these. I didn't go to one website, copy and paste them and go off of that. I, I picked these up from five, six different fanzines from the time. I, you know, and we always talk about whenever I see conflicting results with both different guys going over or whatever the case may be. So I always point that out. I, I try to be as detailed as possible. I don't want to really, you know, I, I don't half ass anything is the best way I could say. Oh, no, you're, if you don't know it, there's a reason you don't know it. And, Hopefully there's somebody else is. I mean, all those guys from the Georgia Championship Wrestling um, Facebook group that you post a show in. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's many knowledgeable people oh, I have within no that group that if we're wrong on something, speak up. Tell us. We yeah. we want to know if we're wrong. And I'm or, right there on Facebook. As you Jamie, say, where we, we overlook. Jamie's right there on Facebook. I'm right there on Facebook. You guys can hit us up, DM us anytime, say, hey, I heard about this making card. I was there. This is what happened. Or if you want to talk about some some Fred Ward TV, we'd love to hear from you. You know, so uh, just uh, be a great time to get some more feedback, uh, not just feedback about our show, but feedback about the Georgia 81 territory in particular. So, yeah, but definitely no doubt about that. And Jamie, also, uh, I know you usually give a shout out to the other ship. And I want to do that here this week. I want to thank those guys so much because uh, they've had you on their show several times recently. I've listened to portions of those shows. I've enjoyed what I've heard, been able to hear with the time I've uh, been allotted. 
to do so. And uh, I've heard you give a, you know, a couple of shout outs here to our show over there. So I just want to do that back and say hello to Frankie Seacrest uh, in particular, who is now one of the patrons of WrestleCopia. So thank you, Frankie. Uh, hope you're enjoying the goodies there. More stuff on the way. And yeah, J- Jamie, I just uh, appreciate you being here and I appreciate everyone out there listening. Yeah. And, and so do I, I mean, it's, you know, I've got, I had gotten away from the wrestling fandom until, you know, Brian last kind of started this. I, I'm not giving Brian all the credit, but he's the one that kind of started this movement? old school wrestling podcast <laughs> movement, movement there. And, uh, and ever since that has started, I've just been reinvigorated, invigorated. Is that the word I'm looking for? Sure. Since with, with my wrestling fandom. And now this is just, it's the best thing for me. I get to talk about something that I really loved and enjoyed back in the day. And I've kind of been waiting for years for something like this. And I'm having a great time, Ray. I appreciate you bringing me aboard and letting me share, you know, my time with you and everyone out there. So thank you. It's my pleasure, Jamie. And, uh, you know, I've been sitting on this knowledge, as have you, as has Roman, as has a ton of guys been sitting on all of this knowledge and not really knowing what to do with it other than, you know, writing up some things online and things, things of that nature, maybe writing a book uh, for those who have time to do that or are really good at doing such things. I, I, I'd argue that some of my research could, could be turned into books uh, down the line when we complete them. But uh, at this point, man, it's just uh, always a blast. I'm glad to have you here. Hopefully you're back soon and we can tackle the remainder of April here in 81 and head into the spring. I can't wait to do this again. I'm, I'm having a blast and, uh, it just doesn't cut into my personal life. My wife is actually telling me, go do it, have a good time. So it, it makes happy wife, happy life. And, and it's a true statement. You read my mind. That was going to be the next sentence that came out of my mouth. You know, <laughs> happy wife, happy life. Never more true than in my world. So uh, at that point, <laughs> I think it's time for me to wrap up here tonight. And uh, but once again, Jamie, I thank you so much for coming along for this ride. I'm so glad that you showed interest in in being part of the show. And uh, what a great time frame to pick Georgia 81. I'm having a blast and so much good stuff on the way. So we'll talk again soon here, Jamie. Oh, absolutely. Say hello to my buddy Roman Gomez out there in the Sin City capital of the world. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. (laughs) But that's going to do it for this week. Thank you once again goes to Jamie Ward. And of course, I am your host, Ray Russell. You can find me on Twitter at Rasslin Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. When we return, hopefully going to close out the month of April 81 here in Georgia Championship Wrestling. Also looking forward to guest co-host Roman Gomez returning soon with more 86 UWF. So stay tuned, guys. Plenty more old school goodness on its way here on Regional Wrestling, where we talk the territories. Mm-hmm.